Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Morning, all. Lines are open, 1-850-104-106. Just one thing before I forget, uh, because we've been talking recently about ill drivers and people driving on provisional licenses, and it's very been very relevant, considering the week we've had with Barry Cowan and people like that. Uh, 1,200 cars were seized from unaccompanied learner drivers this year alone. 1,200 of them seized under the Clancy Amendment. Many people have me asking me about that stat and in fairness to the echo they have it this morning a total of 3700 detections and 1200 cars seized now whether that happened with uh, Barry Cowan back in 2016 I do not know but it's all stats this morning so it is because of the COVID-19 cases rise now I've broken it down actually to uh, you know a daily daily toll from say for instance uh, back to the 29th of June and looked at each single day with regards to deaths and confirmed cases and I will come back to that in a few minutes' time. But certainly yesterday, a worrying day with 23 cases confirmed and six deaths. Mind you, on Tuesday, there was a higher number of confirmed cases at 24. Now, the worrying part of that is that this is a spike, they say. Uh, and it could have a lot to do with the fact that um, uh, more people are out and about and mixing and mingling. Uh, 77% of the 23 positives were aged 25 and under. So that's uh, a worry. Yesterday, 23 confirmed cases and six deaths. Um, Youth Alert is the front page of the mail today. Warning ahead of the weekend as three quarters of the new cases are people aged under 25, as I say. So Youth Alert, according to them. Uh, The latest COVID-19 cases linked to young people and to travel. Mind you, when I look at the app, you know, and I look at it every morning when I click in to tell that I'm fit and healthy, um, I was looking at it every single morning before I come on. You you see the breakdown. It says 2% of COVID cases are from travel abroad where 65% of the COVID-positive cases are being spread by close contact. So, okay, I mean, I understand that overseas travel is an issue, but nothing like close contact. So they're saying young people and travel. It's actually young people and close contact in general, and then community settings, and way down the list, I think, is travel if you look at the app. I mean, what the app doesn't do is it doesn't tell you, to the best of my knowledge, the daily uh, positive testing. Uh, it just gives you the overall county by county figure. But positive tests in a Cork nursing home now have seen visits cancelled and suspended. A staff member tested positive at the Care Choice in McCroom, uh, the 1,000 euro a week private nursing home, as the examiner calls it. They've got 62 residents, and uh, now they're going to test all of the residents there. Uh, their last positive case of COVID there was on the uh, 20th of April. So I don't know how much of this you would relate to, say, the pubs reopening to serve food hairdressers back again, people going back to the gym and stuff like that. Papers also talk today of GA clubs closing over the potential over a potential virus case, and that's a story from the examiner as well. But the pubs are pleading for guidelines. You know, 26 of them now have been filed sent to the DPP. The examiner this morning says that they're asking for clear guidelines, particularly rural pubs, smaller ones that never ever serve food. You know, two meters, one meter, how many people in, you know, stuff like that. So that clock is ticking as to whether on the 20th of July, the pubs, traditional pubs will be allowed to open. And if we're seeing a bit of a spike in the R number at or about one or maybe a little bit higher, it means that the pubs could be pushed back into August. Papers also talk today with uh, Cork taxi drivers because the Echo says that uh, taxi drivers on Lee side are looking for free COVID-19 testing. And you know what? 
why wouldn't they? And, and bus drivers as well. Anybody dealing with the public at close proximity. In the UK, they've slashed VAT rates. And of course, that's what should happen here as well with hoteliers, particularly, never mind anybody involved in hospitality, really, asking for the VAT rates also to be slashed because their occupancy rates are at about a quarter of what they would have been normally at this time of the year. And creches as well have been vastly reduced. It's a front page in the examiner this morning. 33% of them won't reopen at all. And then you have lots of new mums with new, uh, new part, new couples with new babies who have nowhere to go whatsoever if they want to go back to work. But in the UK from today, they've opened the green list of uh, countries. This, co- these corridors, as they call them, safe countries that you can visit, uh, visit. And there's 60 of them. Now, the issue that I have with this is the list of the 50 or 60 countries that the UK can travel to uh, includes Northern Ireland. And apparently I'm told that quite an amount of tourists who fly to sun destinations from Northern Ireland do so out of Dublin Airport. So that's a kind of a kind of contradiction in terms, if you like. And if uh, if drugs has uh, visited your life, or indeed a loved one, as we've been talking about in recent days, uh, there's been a, a very big uh, spike in cocaine use in the past three or four months. It's doubled, actually, and it's a worrying trend. And if cocaine wasn't a, a worry, then crack cocaine is an even bigger one, because that's, uh, that's seen a big spike also in the use of crack cocaine, where people actually smoke it. So those numbers are, are, are an issue. Um, when you look at Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, Regardless of what's true or untrue, um, the use of drink and drugs, of course, seems to be one of the underlying factors in, in, in all of this court case that's going on and all these bus stops that he denies, makes all of the papers today, including photographs of the face of Amber Heard after bruising, um, you know, neck squeezing, uh, headbutting and of the different allegations. But that court case dominates many of the red tops, including the front page of the mirror this morning, to be quite honest with you. And it's just one interesting one, because with regards to people's health and wel- welfare and obesity, particularly amongst young people. Boris Johnson's going to ban a lot of things, you know, like sweets at the top of the uh, checkout uh, for kids. You know, the last thing you see before you pay is, you know, stacks and stacks of sweets on all of the shelves by the till. Apparently they're going to go. I think they're gone here already. I think we banned those, didn't we? Although now that I think for the last time I was in a little... There's loads of them. You actually have to walk down through a corridor of sweets to actually pay. But he's also getting rid of two-for-one deals on junk food. Buy one, get one free. Wonder what that catch on here. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. I'll go back to the heroin seizure in a few minutes' time with Barry Roach at the Irish Times. But just let's stay with these numbers and stats and, uh, you know, front pages of papers like Youth Alert and things like that from the papers where they're breaking down the figures on a day by day basis and yesterday's a worrying day spoke in the past right back to the beginning when he was Lord Mayor of Cork with Dr. John Sheehan and he joins me again by phone, Councillor Dr. John Sheehan John, good morning. Morning, Is this a worry? Oh, is he still there? John? Yep. Is, is this, I'm just wondering, so I broke up there for a second is, is this statistic from yesterday a worry? Uh, it is a concern here, yeah, because we've, we've seen a change in behaviour. Now, this wasn't hugely unexpected. As we were opening up more, we were going to get more cases. But the concern is, one, the number, and two, the age. The age really has gone down. Um, you know, all these cases were under 45. So the concern is that people aren't adhering to the guidelines um, in terms of social distancing, washing our hands, 
using masks and that people feel, you know, the battle is over and we can kind of get back on. And as we've seen in America, where it really just took off again, it's very easy for this to take off. So although it's good that things are opening, because, as you, you know, as you, as you said there, we have to get back to some amount of normality. But we have to do that in the context of keeping those behaviours up and that's the, that's the concern. So um, you, you were right when you say that all of them were under 45 and three quarters of them were under 25. Is that related to pubs, drink, um, parties? Could it not be people going back to the gym, engaging in sport, going to the hair salon, getting their nails done, things like that? Absolutely. It could be related to all of those things. Um, and there is, you know, a pent up demand and energy for people to get back to doing things, get back to the hairdresser, get back to meeting people, get back, back to playing sport. But with that comes risk. Um, and we just need to be, I suppose, this acts as a reminder for all of us, even though we're getting back to those activities, we still need to maintain all the other habits that we've developed over the last couple of months, you know, keeping the distance, washing the hands, wearing masks when appropriate. And just not kind of going back to all in together, all very close together to each other, not washing our hands and that kind of thing. So it just acts as a very timely reminder that it's very easy for this virus to take off again. We've done really, really well and we don't want to lose the benefit of all that work for the last few months. And there's a, there's a kind of a warning about the weekend ahead, I see, with some medics saying, you know, particularly young people. We saw the whole Temple Bar stuff in Soho in London and to a, a lesser extent Cork City at the weekend you know, this Bandon party and the Waterford party and all these people inside in three-bedroom semis parting away. That's a worry, isn't it? That's why there's kind of a, a bit of a warning for people to behave at the weekends. Yeah, there is, absolutely. And, and when you're young, I suppose we all think we're invincible when we're young. And, you know, if I get it, I'll be fine and things like that. Um, I was working in the hub during the week, uh, Neil, and all the people we saw were younger. Um, you know, at the start of this, it was all older people that we saw. It was younger people. Seeing now, them for what? Them were really sick. Uh, with COVID symptoms. And uh, some of them had symptoms of COVID. And it was decided whether they needed to be admitted to hospital or whether they could be managed uh, in the community. And they were flaked. They were really, really, these were fit, healthy people. And through no fault of their own, they were doing everything right, to be fair. And they got it and they were absolutely flaked with it. So how did they get it if they were doing everything right? Well, yeah, we went through it. And there's no obvious, uh, no like some of them perhaps were one of the higher risk exposure uh, occupations. Some of them had travelled a little bit, but had done all the precautions as far as they know. And... It was no, you know, so it just acts as a reminder that it is out there in the community. And, you know, we need to take, continue to take all the precautions because some of us will get it without knowing, you know, without being exposed to someone that we know who has it, without, you know, thinking that we're doing anything risk. And that's why we do really need to be careful. And the other big fear, I think, that people are having just talking to my colleagues and on different conferences during the week is come September, October, there is a, there is a, a, sort of a visible fear about if we don't keep it under control we're, we're going to be in trouble come September October when everything goes back to you know normal schools and colleges and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was looking at the, the breakdowns going back to when the pubs opened right, uh, back to Monday the 29th of June, upon that day there were no deaths and 24 confirmed cases and then it dropped to 11 and then 6 then it bounced to 15 down to 9, 11, 18 down to 4, these are confirmed cases uh, Tuesday, we had uh, 24 cases, um, which was higher than yesterday. Uh, the middle of the week, then 11, and then to 23. I mean, it's it, they're all over the place, really. There isn't even a trend. 
No, there isn't. And this often happens when the numbers are relatively low. You get these huge variations because if you get an extra five or ten, you get this massive sort of percentage increase. Um, you know, that's the good thing about having the numbers low, but you do see this sort of, um, you know, wide, wide fluctuation. Um, I think the, the big time we're looking out is sort of two weeks after the big opening, sort of, sort of in another week or so, what's going to happen? What's, what are the numbers there? And that, I suppose, will inform a lot of decision-making in terms of opening up Ireland for travel, pubs, etc. Um, and if the numbers start creeping up high there, I think that would really affect the decision to open up. There were six deaths reported yesterday, actually, which is tragic. But you know the R number? Because we had that down to 0.4 or something at one stage, didn't we? Um, they're yeah. saying now that that's now at or above one. The R number is, just explain the R number incidentally. The R number is a reproduction rate. So it means if the R number is one, it means for every person who has the virus, another person is going to get it. Um, so it means the virus will continue in the community. If the R number is less than one, it means it's going to burn out. So it means for every one person who has it, only half a person, if you want, might get it if it's 0.5. So it means the virus would burn out in the community. If the R number is, say, three or four, it means every one person who gets it, four people are going to get it. And it was that high at one stage. But now that it's at one or above, that means that um, people can infect other people again. That's correct, yeah. And that's the problem. And do you think that all of this, if these numbers start to climb like this, does it mean that we could have more restrictions reintroduced or will it, for instance, I hate to be talking about drink at this hour of the morning, but will it, will it push back traditional pub openings and things like that? I think it will, unfortunately. I don't think we'll go back to the situation where we had kind of nearly everything locked down, but I think, um, you know, it'll be more targeted restrictions uh, and more focused sort of restrictions on things. And also, as has been muted, if there's outbreaks in certain parts of the country, will there be more restrictions in that area around Dublin, for instance? Um, you see that in Australia now, where there's restrictions in New South Wales, but not in other areas and things like that. So I don't think we're going to go back to a full lockdown. Um, but I think you'll have more targeted restrictions and more higher risk restrictions. Okay, so they'll be watching these numbers daily, the government and the NEFIT team, to see how the ball is going to bounce. What about overseas travel? Now, the UK this morning have published a list of 60 countries that British people can now go on holidays to. Um, but yet we can't, and it doesn't look likely that we can anytime soon, even though it's registering 2% of positive testing from travelling abroad. Why can't we do what the UK are doing? I think there's a fear here that um, if we go and there's outbreaks and it comes back, that it'll just take off much, much more. Um, so I think that's the, the, the big concern. Um, you know, we've seen the US where it's taken off. And I think the US is really probably scared an awful lot of people where they, they never got a handle on it, really. And it has just taken off in many, many states, particularly in the southern But why states. don't the UK have the same worries as us? Hmm. To be honest with you, I think they should. Um, I don't think their handling of it has been great. I think they've, they've had much more mixed messages. Um, I think we have been much more consistent messages. And I think, you know, areas like Spain, you know, loads of people go on holidays there. It's great and things like that. But they're big crowded areas and they would be very ripe for the numbers to you know, go up very, very fast. And they, I think... They say that it's not really the the country, which probably is as safe as us, a lot of them. It's the travelling through airports and on airplanes. Would you would you go along with that? 
Um, I go along with it to a certain extent, Neil. It's certainly the travelling because obviously you're exposed to way more people. But then if you're going to an area where the, the, the prevalence of the coronavirus is, is higher than Ireland and you're going to be out more, you're going to be socialising more, as people do, they go to restaurants and bars and things like that, um, there is a much higher risk then that someone will be bringing back with them. Yeah, yeah. Why, though, it's an interesting text here. Can you ask Dr. John, why, after all of the Black Lives Matter protests where we saw thousands and thousands and different funerals, quite big funerals, as you know, one of them, a tragedy, a tragedy of Agarda, there was no spike then? There's no spike then, probably because there was an end to social distancing, but also... Ah, the come on, there was... Okay. I, 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 know, I know there was, but, but, but there, like, they, they were, a lot of them were outdoors, there was an element to distancing. I saw the Black Lives protest in Cork. You know, there, there was big numbers there. Some of them were together, but a lot of them were spread out. And they were outdoors, and they weren't all together for a prolonged period of time, like you might be, say, in a pub for a night, that type of thing. So, you know, I think, and, and also probably most of them were young. Um, so we got a bit lucky with that. Um, but it was probably those factors. The main it was probably because it was outdoors. Okay, so it's 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 kind of like a, a cop on message to young people, isn't isn't it really? If the vast majority of them are under twenty five, that you know they may feel that it won't impact on their lives, but it's to those whom they'll give it to, of course, perhaps in hugging a granny or granda. Imagine that. That's the warning at this stage, isn't it? It really is, and it's you know we're not saying don't do anything, but we're saying just be be mindful. You know, if you're meeting your friends, keep the distance, wash your hands. You know, don't all be on top of each other. Um, mind yourself and you know obey the guidelines the guidelines have worked they're there for a reason and they help protect all of us yeah because we've heard all sorts of rogue stories about pubs not playing ball and breaching rules with regards to serving food and giving dodgy receipts and four people sharing a bowl of nachos and you know too many people in stuff like that I'm wondering is that all I I mean I don't know what to make of it I I think that maybe we need to be conscious of it most pubs have been very good the first night it opened I I went to Tom Barry's with my kids and we had pizza and you know we were we were sitting everyone was sitting down there was table service Uh, it was very well controlled the staff were wearing masks you know, they put a huge effort into it. And if we compare that to some of the bars you see on TV or Temple Bar and things like that, um, they have put a huge amount of effort into it and it looked like it really worked. Okay, we don't know. We don't have a county-by-county county breakdown on a daily basis on the app. Uh, I think that would be a very sensible thing to have on that app because then we'd know, you know, where there, where there are peaks and troughs, wouldn't we? It would be useful. And I know the data has been... Um, uh, published in aggregate form. The one concern I'd have that is that people will get very complacent. For instance, right. if Terry had no cases for three or four or five days, I think then people will get the message, oh, we're okay, you know, so we can take it easy. That's the concern with that. Okay, but apparently the COVID tracker is um, is ratcheting up people who are joining it and downloading the app, so that's got to be a good thing. It's well over a million now in climbing. So that's pretty yeah, cool, isn't it? people have been very good. And the Irish people, in fairness, they've taken on the message. Everyone has been consistent with it. Every organisation, from the GEA to hotels to shops uh, to supermarkets have been great. Everyone has really taken on the message, and that's why it's worked here. The other countries, much more mixed messaging, and it hasn't worked. Okay, but you are aware of a nursing home having to close because of a positive test. You heard that this morning. I, I did, yes, and that's not surprising. The nursing homes you know, were particularly bad, uh, hardly hit, badly hit. And, you know, if there's any suggestion of any outbreak, you just have to shut things down. Okay, where are you on masks then? Because not, particularly particularly those serving food, you don't see a whole lot of masks by being worn by staff and stuff. Do, do you think they should? 
I think, yeah, and I think culturally we have to get used to wearing them more. I wear them most of my day here at work, seeing patients. Uh, a lot of patients come in wearing them. And really what you're doing is you're preventing it spreading it to other people. So if I'm doing it and other people are doing it, then the, 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 the spread goes way down. Um, I think people still have, have to get over the feeling slightly awkward about it. Um, they are hard to wear if you're wearing them all day. Um, but if you're going into crowded spaces and it's the only way public transport is going to work if people are wearing masks because it just won't be able to manage it otherwise. Okay, John, thanks for taking the call. Do appreciate it as always. Have a good weekend. Bye. Dr. John Sheehan by phone, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. The lines are open. You can text 0868104106. With regards to travel and overseas-related uh, holidaying or what have you, I'm writing you this email as I'm fuming at the moment. I cancelled our first family holiday abroad in three years to France at my own expense uh, as it was not refundable in August and I wouldn't put my family um, or the general public at risk of bringing something back. Um, I bumped into a neighbour this morning in Centra who was picking up toiletries for her son who was heading on his Leaving Cert holiday with a group somewhere in Spain later today and they're flying out of Dublin. So parents couldn't stand to have their precious children sit in a room to complete their exams when infection rates were on the floor, but they're fine with foreign travel to a country which has a higher rate of infection and they're travelling in a large group. I'm baffled and horrified over this. Like, don't people remember how bad things got here after midterm when people went skiing? The numbers exposed. I'm just petrified that we will all suffer down the line for the selfishness of these people. I don't know if this is a recurring issue. Uh, but hope it isn't, but it should be raised as it is something of concern. Is, the, is there much of that kind of carry-on, I wonder, where leaving certain holidays are now going ahead because you can jump a plane to Spain? She says she bumped into a neighbour in Centra picking up toiletries for her son, heading off on his somewhat delayed leaving cert holiday. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Uh, the GA club that I was referring to earlier on is Argadine Rangers GA club down in Timaleague, a precautionary measure to press the pause button on group act on club group activities for, for now uh, because uh, a number of club members have uh, been in contact with the person subsequently confirmed to have COVID-19. So that's the sensible thing to do to push the pause button on that one at Argadine Rangers. But the, de- the mail this morning has a, a bit of a go at young people because they say it comes, these figures come along with yesterday evening's worrying news that the re- reproductive rate has started to increase and it's gone to one or above one. And after pictures emerged last weekend of young people swarming the streets and drinking outside pubs. Now, I don't know how quickly they can turn tests around uh, as to you know, yesterday's figure of, of 23 confirmed cases, could they have been turned around that fast that they're related to last weekend's carry on in regards to the pubs and, and the streets? And I don't even know if the vast majority of them are in Dublin or not. So I suppose it's just, a, it's just a warning to be careful, but nothing to kind of panic about at this point in time. So we'll come back to that. Text 0868104106. You heard the news at nine o'clock. Big drug bust on Leaside. Um, something in the region of two uh, sorry, what am I talking about? Three kilos of heroin uh, with a street value of uh, under half a million euro. It's interesting, really, because the cocaine use in Ireland has doubled. Uh, crack cocaine has increased. And we have this, I was telling you earlier on about this new laughing gas, which is nitrous, nitrous oxide. They call them silver bullets, um, usually used in the, in the catering trade, but they can be bought. And also people who are inhaling gas through balloons. Um, you know, they're very cheap for a very cheap high, but they can cause all sorts of damage uh, to the body, like playing Russian roulette with your um, your, your system. There's been a spike in the numbers of uh, canisters of nitrous, nitrous oxide in parks 
and public areas. And people with heart problems or blood pressure affects your mental health, damages your brain. So, um, you know, when you hear a major drug bust, you know, it's a, I mean, obviously it's a good thing, but maybe it's only a drop in the water. But this was on Side, and Barry wrote to the Irish Times as the backstory to this, and he joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Okay, so this was, as I say, on the north side, three kilos of it. What happened? Yeah, it's the biggest, by my estimate, talking to some Gardaí, I think it's the biggest ever heroin seizure in the city. Three kilos with a street value of 425,000 officers from the uh, Cork City Division Drug Squad. They were involved in an intelligence-led operation backed up by the Grand Rahar District Drugs Unit and members of the Arms Support Unit. They surrounded a car when it pulled into a house or drive of a house in, um, on Harbourview Road, Nocknahini, at about half eleven last night. Uh, as I say, they surrounded the car. They searched it and they found the three kilos with the, that street value of four twenty-five thousand euros. They believe it had come from Dublin and was uh, intended for sale and distribution or supply here in, in Cork. Mm. They arrested two men, a 57-year-old guy from Greenmount and a 42-year-old guy from Grawn, and they were arrested under drug trafficking legislation and brought to Grand Border Garda Station. Now, that legislation allows Gardaí to hold people for up to seven days, so they have a bit of time with them, as it were. Um, and they also carried out a search of the house in Arbyville Road and seized the car for a forensic examination. Uh, Detective Superintendent Commons of Anglesey Street, who sort of led the operation, paid tribute to the local community. He said, Gardaí were only able to act so quickly on this because they had calls from the local community about unusual activity. So I suppose it goes to show the benefit of um, people noticing things in their community and perhaps contacting Gardaí and then allowing Gardaí move and gather evidence. So you're calling that a local tip-off then? It would seem to be from what they're saying, yeah. yeah. Mm. Somebody was concerned about what they were saying. As I say, it's it's the, the biggest ever in Cork that I can recall. We had two cases in the circuit court in April, a guy called Kevin Bullman from Yall, um, he was caught with 2.5 kilos of heroin worth 350,000, Patrick Street. Uh, Detective Garda Polly, he told how he, he, uh, Bullman had got off the air coach, Patrick's key, went to get a taxi in Patrick Street, and the Cork City Division looked for the same people. They moved in. He got uh, eight years with two suspended from Judge Sean O'Donovan, and then a week later, in the circuit court as well. Gary Cambridge from Mount Brosna in Mayfield. He was caught with over 100 grand's worth of heroin. Again, Detective Garapoli, Division Drugs Squad, told how uh, Cambridge got off the Dublin train at Kent Station on the 4th of September 2019. Uh, he got seven years from Judge Helen Boyle with one year suspended. And then just going back to 2011, there was a chap called Robert Garvin. He was then 32 uh, with addresses at the Paddocks and Man and Pine Street in Cork. He was jailed for a total of 12 years by Judge Paddy Moran at Cork Circuit Criminal Court. He'd been caught again, Cork City Division Drug Squad, €173,000 worth of heroin. They stopped the car at Leemount, searched the house in Tarot. Detective Sergeant Jason Lynch uh, said that happened in August 2009. 12 months later, he was caught in July 2000, or less than 12 months later, in fact, July 2010. He was caught with another €20,000 worth of heroin hidden in a jar inside a sock. And he wasn't an addict. The other two men and um, Cambridge were. But that was the biggest uh, until Bullman. And... Um, and then obviously this one is superseded that. There was another one back in uh, September 2008, Brian Wall from Shannon Keel. He was
was given a six-year suspended sentence by Judge Patrick Moore in the Cork Circuit Criminal Court. Judge Moore took the view that Wall had learned his lesson. He wasn't an addict and low risk of reoffending. But uh, Detective Sergeant Laura Bryan had told how they found him placing a bag with 143,000 euros worth of heroin at the foot of an ESV pole in the car park of St. Anne's Hospital in Shanachiel in September 20, or 2007. A suspended again, sentence people, for that? Yeah, suspended. That was uh, I a bit of a surprise. The DPP appealed it. I'm not sure what the outcome was. Again, though, same people involved, Cork City Division and Drug Squad. So they're, uh, they're on the case, as it were, you know. So there is, is there, I mean, don't mean to put you on the spot, but is there discretion for a judge when it comes to a, a huge seizure of heroin? as to whether there's a custodial seizure. In that case, yeah, I mean, anything over um, 13,000 uh, is a Section 15A, which is candor, carries a minimum mandatory or uh, recommended sentence of 10 years, unless there are exceptional circumstances, and it's up to the judge then to take those, decide what's an exceptional circumstance and take those into account. Um, the Brian Walden was, I suppose, a bit of a surprise. Uh, it was a big, okay. at the time, yeah. 2008 was the biggest heroin seizure in the city. Mandatory with discretion then, that's kind with of... Mandatory like... with discretion, yeah, that was 143,000. But just looking at it, if you look at the, the, the 143,000 worth 2008, 2,173,000, uh, 2000 September last year, uh, 100,000 off the train, and then uh, November last year, 350,000, again off the air coach. And now we're at... 425,000. So, so trains, you know. buses and cars. But you have to ask the question, though. Like, you know, OK, it's a, it's a great result. But huge amounts of it must be getting through. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't... I, I suppose drugs generally... Um, I'm not sure what the, the sort of stat ratio, stats ratio is, but I would think Gardy would concede that, you know, they're, they're getting... I mean, way back, I remember, in terms of international sort of stuff, they thought maybe... Because one in ten they were apprehending. Oh, for God's sake! So I don't know what the the, the recording thinking would be, but obviously there is. And I mean, the number of addicts I think from talking to people in the uh, health services, Cork and Kerry, I think heroin about six, seven hundred uh, people who've addictions, and obviously some would move out. They'd gone methadone, then might lapse again. You know, so it's been at that sort of figure I think for maybe two or three years. But certainly there was, or maybe further back, maybe four years, five yeah. years. But yeah. it's that it's reached that level. You know, whereas go back. 10, 15, 20 years ago, I'd say, number of heroin addicts in Cork, you probably could have counted, um, you know, less than 20, I would have thought. Um, and these are just people presenting, of course. We don't know. Uh, yeah, that's the other point, just people presenting, yeah. So okay. what the actual number is, I don't know. Um, but uh, it's obviously a worry and a concern, and those people obviously are, you know, that it's, 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 it can be the ruination of lives and can be the cause of death, obviously. So obviously. taking yeah. three, okay. three kilos off the streets last night is a, is a good day's work, even Absolutely. though, as you say, there probably, there's probably more coming down, and it tends to come in from Cork, obviously, or come in from, it seems to be coming from Dublin primarily. Yeah. Okay, appreciate that as always, Barry. Three kilos less of heroin on the streets of Cork this morning. Barry Roach, Southern Correspondent with the uh, Irish Times. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Martin, I think, has used most drugs, but not heroin, I believe. Am I right, Martin? Never heroin, no? Yeah, that's right, Neil. No, I never, I really? never chanced that. Yeah. Did you, were you ever tempted? Uh, no, I, thank God I wasn't. You know, I, I kind of just, I, I knew it was awful. Like, I knew, I knew all drugs were awful, but I did dab in a lot of other things. Bar heroin, heroin wasn't the thing for me, like, thank God. Because it's a hard one to come back from, heroin. Yeah, actually, you can see it day in and day out in the city. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's frightening to it, like listening to you there about the amount that's after coming in. I got caught yesterday. It's frightening because it just it destroys families, it destroys communities, it just 
it's just it's really 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 hard to come it's, back from that I was in town actually on uh, Wednesday lunchtime um, and I was having an old drive around and a walk around and I have to say I was quite disturbed at the amount of groups of people almost zombie like on our streets gathering in bunches um, some of them incapable of walking really and truly um, looking very haggard and battered from life um, I, I don't know how many of them would be using using drugs but what I did see was an awful lot of them um, with very large bottles of vodka that they were then decanting into water bottles and lucasade bottles and things like that and at one stage I was thinking they were so incapable of walking that if they had stumbled out onto a road they'd have been hit by a truck or a lorry and I was wondering I mean we, sh- we should be having an awful lot more accidents on our roads than we actually are when you see the amount of people incapable of looking after themselves do you observe that when you go about uh, yeah, I, I try to stay out of Cork City as much as I can, but when I do go in there, you, I do see that happening. And I used to be um, a bouncer in town many years ago, and I speak, come face to face with it every single night in, in Cork City, you know. And it was just a frightening thing to, to see, and it's horrible to see it happening to our city, and uh, obviously all, all cities in Ireland and across yeah, the world, you know. that's just what I saw. But did you start with cannabis? Um, I started off with drink when I was at a younger age and obviously that kind of just escalated then into cannabis and maybe from the ages of 15 um, I kind of dabbed in a lot of drugs and when I started getting older up to 18 drinking cannabis was my main kind of main kind of getaway is that's what I'd like to say and that kind of always stuck stuck to me. I could never. I, I I went to treatment in 2008. I could never seem to get rid of this. You know, get rid of it away from me. Like it was hard. I did my time in Table Lodge and I did uh, counselling and stuff. But again, it just it just overtook me again after that. Like and see, they're talking. They're talking about legislating to legalise cannabis in small amounts for personal use. Were you addicted to that, or was it prescription medication, or, or cocaine, or oh, yes, tablets? I, I was addicted to it, and I just couldn't stop. I, it, it kind of, I got to a stage in my life where I needed it to function. Like, I've always kept on a job since I was 16 years of age. Always kept jobs. Like, I'm a carpenter. I went into security when the recession hit, and I came out of that, and I went into storm cladding there about three years ago. So I've always kept a job, but I've always been smoking the weed as well, like, on my way to work, on my breaks and all that kind of thing, you know. Did it play havoc just, with your brain? Yeah, it played out my brain, it made me paranoid, you know, and not just that, it destroyed lives, a life that I had planned out for myself, you know, that I, that I wanted, and it destroyed, absolutely destroyed, that's like, you know, along with my own behaviour as well. Yeah, I know, I know, I mean, it, uh, it led to the breakdown of your marriage as well, didn't it? Uh, it did, yeah, yeah, and um, unknown to me, I, I was obviously suffering from depression, but it was very unknown to me. Like back in in January of this year, I was in a car crash on my way to work, and um, after that, I ended up inside in Bantry Mental Health Unit in February for two, over two and a half weeks because I had a nervous breakdown and I was diagnosed with, with depression then. And it's just I, I moved from I'm originally from the city Neil, and I moved to. Um, to West Cork just to kind of get a break away trying to get myself started out properly again and to be honest it was probably the worst move I've ever made Why? 
as I said, I came out of um, out of the hospital in February, and then I was isolating myself down in West Cork before that. And then when I came out, we had the coronavirus, and then everybody had to isolate. So it just made kind of matters worse for me. Your mental health. Yeah, my mental health. Yeah, yeah. And like with suicide, Neil, I've been battling with suicide for the past two years. You know, there's not a day goes by that I don't think of ending life, you know, because I don't feel like that I'm good enough for anyone. You know, I have a great family, I have great friends, but I just don't think I'm good enough for anyone. I know. You know, it's just so hard. Are you you alone down west now? Yeah, yeah, I am. Would you not come back up to your family and surround yourself with them and your friends? I'd be, I've been thinking about that. I'm supposed to be sat and working a few weeks up near the city again. I think you are. I think you urgently need to rethink where you are. You know, I think uh, first of all, getting back to work would be a super thing for you to occupy your mind and you know get doing what you're good at and probably enjoy. Yeah. You know, and then you say you have family and friends. Do they keep in contact with you even at a distance? Oh, they do. Yes, they do. They're very good to me. Everyone is. Ah, come back up. Come back up to your family and friends. Don't be putting yourself through added torture like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I, yeah I, I've been thinking about it. So I, I think it's time to start making a move, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong, West Cork's a beautiful place, but there's probably an element yeah. of isolation and loneliness that's set in as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I ended up back in the hospital again uh, just over two and a half weeks ago. Um, I was brought there by the Gardaí from Bantry just for my own safety again, you know, with suicide threats and tendencies and stuff. How did, they, how did, they, how did they come across you? Um, as I said, back in January, I was I was brought there by the guardie as well. And my father, unfortunately, he had to ring the guards on me because he couldn't contact me on this on a certain night, and he had to ring the guardie to come over and see what was I okay. So then they brought me to the to Bantry Mental Health Ward, and I was sectioned in there for two and a half weeks. There, you can clearly see that your family love you and they're worried about you. Yeah, but I, I, I just. I just keep looking at my track record, Neil, and I keep judging myself all the time to other people that haven't done, haven't had problems like me, you know. But you're only 37 years old. You gotta, <laughs> like, there's, you could have 50 years on the clock. You don't want to throw that away by looking at your past all of the time. What does your past matter? It doesn't matter. Like if everyone, if everyone was to be absolutely honest about their lives, every single one of us, we have all things that we're utterly ashamed of. We all have secrets. You know, we all have things. I mean, if, if we were to turn the clock back again, we would all do things radically differently. And you're, you know, you're not alone. This isn't something that is exclusively yours, you know. <laughs> so you shouldn't. I know it's easy for me to say not to be judging yourself because you are where you're at. But um, like you've nothing to be ashamed of. Your past is gone. Don't make a, don't make a, a shrine to it. You know. Yeah. It's like, like I feel, I just feel so angry, and you know, with myself, and it's just, I just said that I can't see past the day that I'm that I'm in. Some days, you know, it's just so dark. 
and I try to put on a face for everybody, like my, to my friends when I see them and my parents, so I'm okay, you know, but it took me so, so long to ask for help, and still even now it's hard to even ask for it again. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you probably also might need to look at telling your friends the truth and telling your family the truth, you know? Um, it's all very well to be putting on this man mask, you know? Yeah. Are you are you are, are you getting any are you getting any help now? Are you getting any counselling? Do you call any of the helplines? Yeah, I, I still I have counselling through the HSE, and I also have addiction counselling through the HSE as well. But I haven't like my addiction hasn't been active since just before I went to the hospital in February. Like I haven't smoked. That's fantastic. I, I decided to take on the drug counselling just because I was felt vulnerable, and you know anything could have happened really. So that's fantastic. You didn't even have a slip. Your darkest days, all the way through COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have the strength to beat this. Yes. You've proved but that in the hardest time. Well, I just look at my life and I look at my past, like the past two and a half to three years, probably been the worst I've ever put down. You know, I got married in 2018. They probably, like I know everybody says they have the best wife in the world, but this woman, without a doubt, would top everybody, like... And with my mental health and my addiction just just tore it apart, just ruined it, you know? Yeah, but you're six months clean. Yeah, yeah. And firstly, you don't want to throw that away, so each day as it comes, you know? Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to try and show you the positives that are ahead of you, you know, but you're in a dark place and probably fail to see them. But they're, believe me when I tell you, they are there. They are ahead of you. They really, really are. I mean, when's the when's the job starting? It's it was meant to be uh, Monday coming, but I think it's the Monday after. It's a big project. I'm just waiting for it to start. You know, so is it is that down west? No, uh, no. It's it's. I have a job coming up in Samoy, and we also have Douglas Shopping Centre there to restore again from the fire last year. You this know? is great. You need to throw yourself into that big time. Have you been able to go to any meetings? Uh, meetings are person to person are cancelled, aren't they? Yeah, well, no, I, I've I've been doing the addiction counselling one to one in in Skibbereen with a person from the HSE, so I was able to do that in the last couple of weeks. You know, every time I talk to somebody in a scenario like yours yeah. where you see no hope, I get lots of calls and texts from people every single day who reach out to help strangers like your good self. You know, people saying that if you want to meet with them, if they want, another person wants to know if you want, if they want, you want them to go and collect you to bring you back up. You have a great opportunity in the next week or so uh, to get back to work, to surround yourself with people, to throw yourself into your job, to tell your family and friends that you're struggling, to be totally open about it and take every day as it comes and forget about the last three years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. They're completely inconsequential to now and to your future. You know? Believe, believe me, as I say, if we were all to be absolutely honest, um, you know, you could take a lot of comfort from the fact that we're all carrying things. We all are. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So today is the day where you need to make a decision. I just need to, I need to start being more positive. And, you know, and I need to... Start loving myself again. Absolutely. Because at the moment I don't, you know. Yeah, but you you must love yourself because others love you, so they see something in you to love. 
They can see it. Do you ever do, do, you ever do any positive assertion work on yourself to tell yourself that there is goodness in you, to tell yourself that you have good things, there are positive aspects to you? I mean, I, I don't even know you, but talking to you, I can see an awful lot of goodness in you. Thank you, Neil. But I, I try to, you know, some days I, I, I'd be very nice to myself, some days I don't, you know. But I, I, I'm 100% totally angry with my with myself and the way I've, the way I've turned out, you know. And I haven't got bad parents, like, you know, they're the best. But they've always done everything for me, you know. And I, I have two daughters, uh, I have an older brother and sister that never, ever cause an ounce of bother, like, you know. Okay. Okay, listen, um, I'm going to put you back on hold there and uh, and Brenda's going to talk to you. Um, yeah. And I'm going to look at some texts and emails that are coming in to see if there's uh, other people who maybe want to reach out to you and help. Do you ever, you know, when you get angry, do, are you fit? Can you run? Yeah, yeah. Run it off. <sighs> yeah. I, I, do, I do try to get a lot of exercise in, you know, since I haven't been working some days are darker than others. I wouldn't even budge outside the door. All right, listen. Pull up the blinds, you know? I know, I know. Pull up the, well, you know, force yourself to pull up the blinds. Let the sunshine in. Let the universe into your life. I'm going to put you back on hold for now, Martin, because that damn clock keeps on ticking. Don't go anywhere, though. Back after 10. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Okay, uh, the clock beat me there at 10 o'clock, but I just wanted to wrap up with Martin and just read out some of the texts. Got lots of texts, Martin, including some texts from members of your own family who have nothing but love and compassion for you. Um, here's some other ones. Are you with me? Hang on a second, He's, they've moved lines. Let me see if we can get them back in. Okay, Martin, so here's some of them, okay? You all right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, my heart goes out to that last caller and his issues. It truly does. Uh, it's not nice to hear anyone struggling like that, but anyone who smokes weed uh, does so at their own cost. It's the very same as drink. If you can't keep it under control and you recognize when you're abusing it, uh, then you need to take action like you have done. Uh, and people want to commend you for that. Aaron says, the guy who's on now definitely needs to move home and let him know, please, that we're all thinking of him, says Aaron. Um, I'm terribly sad for that man you're talking to. He sounds like such a good person who loves and is loved by his family. Timmy Long spoke of his guilt and shame, stopping him from living his life in the Two Naris podcast. It might not help, but uh, you might want to talk to him. Actually, I'm talking to Timmy Long on the air on Monday's show. Yeah. yeah, do you want to jump in? Timmy Long is a second cousin of my dad, Dennis O'Rourke, and I, I've been listening to, I've been watching the podcast the last, the first two episodes, and I know Timmy very well, and I know his brother as well, I worked with him. Ring him, you know? ring him, come up and meet him for yeah, a cup of coffee. I'll try and get a contact number for Timmy, I haven't got one at the moment. I'll get you, know? you one, stay on the line in a minute, I'll give you it. Uh, such a great yeah. cousin, we're always there for him, says Miriam, do you know Miriam? I do, I do, yeah. How about that now? Uh, another, fa- another family member of yours contacted me personally, actually, and uh, all the love in the world for you. Julie phoned. About five or six years ago, she thought about taking her own life. Everything has now changed. There is a future that was for her that will be for Martin. Uh, Marie says, it's so sad listening to that guy. It's so hard when you're on your own. Moving to West Cork is no good at all, as you would be isolated and lonely. Um... Okay, they, they, they're texts about me. I won't read those ones out, but thank you all the same. Uh, I'm a qualified life coach. Please pass on my number to that guy, says Barry and Douglas. Tell him to take up art. It's very therapeutic, says Danny and y'all. And the guys at Exceed Fitness and Balancholic are offering you personal training as they've worked with many former addicts in the past 
and it's proven that exercise has many benefits in someone's recovery. Now, that's just a selection of texts. I guarantee you I'll get lots more across the morning, all right? So, yeah, will, me. will you come home? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come to the city anyway today, so, yeah, I, I'll be moving home very, very soon, yeah. Okay. Um, and you'll contact family and contact friends and talk to Timmy Long and... You know, do all of these yeah. things in the coming days, yeah? Yeah, I will do, of course, yeah. Because yeah. we, we don't want we don't want to lose you. There, you know, there's not enough good people in the world, and we don't want you to lose you. You're a good guy, okay? Thanks, Neil. Thank you. And will you thanks everybody. That text him. Yeah, will you come back to me on Monday. Let me know how you're getting on, will you? I will, of course. Yeah, yeah, I will. No problem. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Please do now. I do want to hear back. I want to hear back from you. All right. Yeah, I will contact you, and I want to appreciate for having me on the line and. Everybody that text in and Brenda as well, especially for making contact with me again yesterday. So yeah, let the light into your life, my friend, because there's loads of people there waiting to help you. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Okay, take care. We'll talk Monday, all right? Thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers. Martin. Take care. Bye. Back after the break. Text the Neil Brenderville Show now. 086-8104106. Red FM. You know the letter that I read out earlier in the week there from a man who I called John. I still haven't heard back from John, and uh, that's sad. But then again, I wouldn't give up hope. Uh, I hope at some stage he will come back. I know that many people are thinking about him. Massive response to that. I was in the car the morning uh, with my husband listening to read out the letter from John. And he turned to me and said to me, I could have written that letter. It's like our own story in some ways. Um, Our beautiful son took his own life three years ago. Uh, He was 25 years old. He was a beautiful boy. He was handsome and strong. I'm in floods of tears listening to you. Sorry, did I say I'm reading out texts here? This isn't a letter. These are different texts. Um, I can't see how anyone like the person you had on the air saying suicide is an easy way out. Has the person who said it ever experienced clinical depression or had suicidal thoughts? Uh, morning, we shaped so much, were shaped so much from a young age. As a woman in my late 30s now and listening to that man uh, that finally uh, loves himself, this is another caller then who did come back from the brink, I reflect on what my aunt told me uh, many times as a young child. She used to say, I love me. If I can't love myself, who else can? She's not mad, but as a young child, she was teaching me not only the importance of loving yourself, but also being confident and proud to say it out loud. She instilled a gentle, nice confidence in an otherwise shy child. I'm a woman today that hasn't gotten to almost 40 unscathed, but I love me. And as a result, so do many others. Mental health is so important. I wish everyone on their journeys to loving themselves, the strength and success to loving themselves again. And I hope that they know they're worth the journey. That's a powerful text. Thank you for it. Uh, I do agree, though, says somebody else with that person who was on about her father taking his own life. People say they are so brave. Obviously, it's not an easy act to carry out. But the immediate family left behind are then tortured forever. Uh, I worry about my children's future all the time now, and our lives are forever haunted by the word suicide. I'm tortured every day looking at my children and how I feel I failed them as a mother, a wife, a sister-in-law, a daughter-in-law, a stepmother and an overall human being since my husband took his own life last year. Make that call and fight for your life. When you end your life, that's it. You're gone. You're not coming back. Heartbreaking listening to some of your calls. As a single mother who suffers mental health, thank God I'm lucky. I never felt like I wanted to die by suicide, but my 14-year-old son did. He could see he could see faces and hear voices to kill himself. It's such a big issue with mental health. Oh my God, that's so tragic. Uh, since lockdown started, I've struggled every day with my mental health. I seek I seek help, and now I visit uh, a psychoanalyst once a week. 
Uh, I want help and I'm getting it. I have no problem saying that I don't feel okay. Men, though, think it's a sign of weakness, but it's actually the bravest thing uh, to look for help, not to be afraid. I have asked and I will continue to do so. Uh, the chap that wrote to you, I'm seeing, said he loves, he said, he said he was, the guy I'm seeing, of the psychoanalyst I'm seeing, says he was never so busy with clients. I'm in my mid-40s and this can affect anybody. Look after yourselves, everybody. And more importantly, not just that, but look after each other, says Trevor. There's many of those, like many, many. I will, I will come back to some of them throughout the course of the morning. But Eileen is Martin's aunt. Eileen, good morning. Good morning, Eileen. How are you, girl? I'm very sad listening to him. You're his godmother as well, I'm told. You're his godmother. I'm glad, though, that he has talked about it now, though. He has. You know, but he has had some um, terrible um, occasions, like, in his life, you know. But he came through it, you know. He came out to see me all right before the lockdown there back in February, I think. And I haven't seen him since now. Yeah. I only hope now I'm going to get on to him, have him come out and visit me because I'm, I can't go out. I'm, I'm locked in. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually the lady that you read out the request for my son, Terry, in Australia. My uh, birthday was on Sunday. Well, happy birthday. I'm I glad I got to read out the text. Yeah. <laughs> but, Ma- but Martin's been down, that. Martin's been down in West Cork and, uh, He's on his I way back to has, Cork yeah. now. And, and thank God, he, thank God he, he's coming up from there now because I think that was a bad move. Ah, but you sure, know, like, you have to try, you have to try things. Some work out, you know, some, some you don't. Know, and you know what, he's a brilliant young fella. A brilliant young fella on his life with all his troubles. Yeah. He was always working. A trouble shared is a trouble halved, as the fella says. It is, me. And, and, is. You, and, you, and you know, and you know, at, at least he tried, you know, going to West Cork was his way of maybe changing his surroundings, changing his environment, maybe yes, embracing nature. It. But that doesn't work for everybody. I'm I'm grand on my own for a day, maybe two nights. But after that, I have enough yes. of it, you know. So, like, yes. at least he gave it a shot, you know. Yes, he did. He did. God love him. Yeah. But, uh, I hope he'll be okay. No, well, his mum and dad anyway will look after him because they're, they're the best parents. Ah, it's incredible the he text has. here. Martin is listening yeah. in the car on his way back to Cork as we speak now. He jumped in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And here's one. My name is Tracy. I'm Martin's sister. We love him so much and we're here for yeah. him 100%. Uh, morning, Neil. Martin is my husband's cousin. He's such a lovely guy. I'm hoping that he gets all the help that he needs. Um, yeah. what, what, would you, what would you say to him? He's listening now. Martin and Eileen here, I'd love if you come and see me now. As in, I'm sure you'll be able to come and see me. Yeah. I'd love to see you, boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things will be good. Things will be good. It's on the up and up. I hope so, yeah. love. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. Okay. All right. You're yeah. great, Eileen. Don't be overly upset. This is, a, this is a good day. This is a good day. This is a good yeah. day. So I go on only okay, right. see Eileen, that's Martin's aunt uh, and his godmother, Eileen. Okay, a lot of texts coming in on that. You know, actually, uh, Nana Nora was in touch. Remember yesterday I told you the story of where she went down to Cades County and missed the list and got lift back and got the, the Lord Mayor, Sean French, at the time to knock up next door in the middle of the night, four o'clock in the morning, to get her son to come down to Cades County. It's a lovely story. She's 85 years old now. And she's got all sorts of different YouTube videos up regarding her life and stories. And then, of course, I also played you a little snippet of uh, Nana, Nora, Nana Nora telling us how to make the best stew and how to make bisto gravy with cold water and that we should add a little bit of Chef Brown sauce just before we serve it up on the table. 
I can actually taste the stew now with the prawn sauce again. Um, but she was delighted that she was spoken about on the air yesterday and she sent me a little voice note. Here it is. Hello, Neil. This is Nanny Nora. I just given to want to send you a message, Neil. I tell you, I listened to your show this morning and that I was delighted you played my story and that um, my son told you I was born in the kind of Lane, but Neil, I wasn't born in the kind of Lane at all. I was born in um, a tenement house in Blarney Street, 338 was the number. And then um, my son got it wrong. And uh, I, the house I lived in was number five, kind of Lane. And um, I heard you're going to play another story in my know. And I hope that the people will all like it. And Neil, thanks very much for everything. Thank you too, Nana Nora. I hope you're listening this morning. Thanks for the voice note. Uh, she's very tech-savvy, tech, tech isn't she? Not a bother to her with YouTube and recording stories and all sorts of things like that. Martin, there's an 85-year-old woman, boy, and she's living life to the full, and you're 37 with a long life ahead of you, kid, huh? Anyway, safe trip back to Cork, pal. Anthony says, um, with regards to, you know, the pubs serving food and bringing in pizza and stuff like that. Of course, technically, you were supposed to have a kitchen and be hassle cleared and everything, but we're a bit touchy-feely about that. But he says, I see the pubs and the restaurants are now ordering in pizza from takeaways and claiming that it's a substantial meal. That is nothing short of disgraceful. Most pubs are allowing people to stay and drink pints until closing time, especially their regulars who have special dispensation in some pubs. This is happening not just in Dublin, but all over the country. Won't be long before we have a resurgence of the virus and people's lives will be lost. I hope the idiots that are not socially distancing in the pubs and the streets never get a visit from COVID-19. It's not a very nice experience. Whatever must our frontline workers be thinking at this point. You had meet Michal Martin on Monday, uh, and to say the man stumbled from start to finish is an understatement. He didn't know Cowan had a conviction. He didn't know Kelleher was traipsing around the country without a care in the world. Well, he, he did know that, Anthony. But as usual, you mustn't question the politicians. They had their say on Sinn Féin last week, but when the heat is on, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens circle the wagon. You covered a lot of ground in that one. Political parties, Michal Martin, Barry Cowan, Brian, uh, Billy Kelleher and the pubs serving pizza. Do you not think that a pizza is a substantial meal if you're having a few pints? I'm writing this email because I'm fumal, fuming. Um, we, oh, this, these are other ones actually from people who cancelled their own summer holidays and they're disturbed then to hear uh, that uh, some students and kids are going on leaving such holidays. Michelle says, as a mature, mature student doing a, a course in college, I had assignments instead of exams. I studied hard. I got the results I wanted. It was hard. I wish I could go on a holiday to celebrate my qualifications, but of course we can't. The person who was going on about leaving such holidays would want to get a grip. Not every leaving such student is going on holidays. They're not all precious uh, they miss their debs, they miss their graduation, they miss their last day in school. All these things that are a rite of passage for sixth years. A lot of these students wanted to sit the exams and they couldn't. And now their lives have been put on hold. Maybe just mind your own business. Because the emailer said that they were all so precious that they couldn't sit a Leaving Cert exam, but they can go on a Leaving Cert holiday. Um, these kids are over 18. They don't need permission from their parents to go on holidays. If it was my son or daughter, I would prefer if they didn't go. But a lot of these Leaving Cert holidays can be a nightmare for most parents, and more so now with coronavirus. Point being from Catherine, you can stop someone who's over 18. Some mothers would disagree with that. We'll come back to it again throughout the course of the morning. Back to the phone lines we go. Eugene, good morning. 
Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? You have a very sad story to tell, don't you? Um, yeah, I suppose so. Um, maybe about two years ago, I had, um, maybe two, three years ago, um, I had a classmate in college that, um, that killed himself quite suddenly. Um, it just kind of ties in with a, co- a couple of other things that you were talking about maybe during the week, um, just in relation to drink driving as well. Um, this chap had been caught drink driving, um, basically two mornings after he killed himself. And um, he kind of he told me two days beforehand that what was after happening that he was caught drink driving, and uh, I was actually caught myself about four years ago. So you know I, I kind of knew the rigmarole, and I was kind of looking forward to, to kind of helping him through the whole the whole court case and the whole that because you know it's a very frightening thing to happen to someone. But um, yeah, two days later he, he kind of killed himself, and um, for shame was it because of the shame? Yeah, 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 absolute shame. Um, just the whole shame that went down with it. Um, and it is an awful shameful thing to happen, you know. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just very sad. Um, Spur of the moment, I would think, in a, in a moment of desperation. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he obviously wasn't thinking right in the whole lot. Um, you know, as I said, I, I was looking forward to helping him through it. And, you know, it, it's not the bloody end of the world, you know. And you had told him all of that, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did my best, you know. You couldn't um, see beyond it, though, sure, the poor misfortune. No, 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 it was awful. Um, and just in relation to other kind of types of things you were talking about then as well, um, and this isn't specifically to Martin's case, and I do hope Martin will be okay. Um, I put myself kind of in the same category as Martin. I'd have kind of suicidal tendencies and whatnot, but I just get on with things, you know. Um, little things like my sister helps me out, and my sister tells me she'll come back to haunt me if I ever did something, you know, so... Um, those kind of things keep me going. Yeah. Um, but also his cannabis use and the shame that maybe not specifically Martin, but the shame that people have to have to go through if they do, you know, consume cannabis or whatnot. Um, that doesn't necessarily need to be there in this day and age. You know, people are interacting with the girls. It's, again, a lot of shame comes with that. When you know, especially with cannabis use, there's no need for it. Um, so I mean, the, it. it Pending convictions really can drive people over the edge. Oh, absolutely, yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, especially, I know there's another guy that was on during the week as well, I think his name was Martin as well, um, who was kind of touching on the cannabis use, and he had something like 15, 15 I think he was, he was on his way up to Cork Prison, I think, next week. He was, you, were, you were telling him, pack That's your right. bag. Yeah, pack your bags. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and that was cannabis use, and the shame that, that he probably feels that, that, that doesn't mean that doesn't need to be there. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have any fear of him now, in fairness. He's a strong character. He, he's more, yes, of, he's yes, more yes, of a yes, cannabis yes. crusader, really, for the uh, legislation of cannabis use in small amounts for personal use, you know? I, I get you, I get yeah, you. Yeah. Um, but, 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 you. Other, but others then do talk of psychotic reactions to cannabis. So I, I don't know what to make of it, really, when I hear I know, Martin's I know. story. I, I suppose it's like alcohol, you know, it suits some people, it doesn't suit other people. Um, you know, it just depends, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, they were, they were kind of one or two points that I just wanted to bring up. Appreciate it. Keep yourself yeah, safe. Yeah. Very sorry about your pal with his whole life to live for. It's very yeah, sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, Eugene. Cheers. Okay, Neil. Cheers. Paul, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. What's on your mind? I was listening in this morning there about uh, your saying when you were walking around the city and seeing people pouring drinks into lubricate bottles and water bottles and everything like that. Yeah. It's very prevalent in our city centre. 
Now, I've taken a week's holidays and I'm staycationing. I'm, I'm based in Yall, but on Wednesday, I took a trip down to Waterford. Now, I had a good walk around Waterford. I came across no drunks. I came across nobody on the street that looked like they were under the influence of drugs. Yeah. I came across one person begging. A very high presence of guardy patrolling the streets. I was well impressed. And actually, when I said, it's the first time I went outside of Cork, visiting the city in Ireland in a couple of years, and I was shocked, actually, to, to compare Cork to Waterford. And what was the last um, time you to walk around Cork City to compare Garda presence, for instance? I'd be in the city every day, uh, Neil, you know. I would be in the city every day. And we, we can, you'll come across people on all street corners that are, are begging, that are heavily under the influence of... Because you're working in the mentioned. city, of course. You've got your own cafe and everything, so you would be yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I, I was shocked, actually, to tell you the truth. I actually said, well, and I love Cork City. But I was shocked to see the difference between Waterford City Centre and Cork City Centre and... I mean, there are, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, like, this is what I saw on Wednesday, but I also saw beautiful things. And here's an example of something that I thought was really beautiful. There was lots of young people. I'd say a lot of them might have been on their lunch break, right? Uh, and it was a lovely day and the sun was shining and everything. And they were sitting in twos and threes, distant from other people on the steps of the courthouse having their lunch. And I thought, oh my God, that looks so lovely. That's so cool. Oh, yes, they- Fabulous. Um, you, know? you see that in the city when the sun is out. And it was lovely. I just thought, wow, you know, that's... It is fabulous. But that's, it's a great, that's a great use of our beautiful city. Sit there on the steps of the courthouse and have a sandwich together. Lovely. It is. I think, I think the heroin problem has been allowed to grow in Cork and it's down to garden management and it's down to city hall management and it hasn't really been tackled and they thought they had it under control whereas they didn't have it under control, you know. But for a stranger to come into the city and see some of the things that I did on Wednesday, particularly in bus shelters, right? And uh, there was six or eight in, a, in one particular bus shelter. Like even drinking raw vodka and they were drinking it yeah. like water actually from a water bottle. It's, 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 all, it's all over the city. Nearly. But sure, like your brain would be fried from that. It's not a good advertisement for Cork City, as I say. I, I was kind of, and you don't see it until you go and visit another city in Ireland, and, and Waterford really kind of opened my eyes. I think you describe Waterford as a beautiful city. It is a beautiful city, actually. Even their flood defence, um, the beautiful reinforced glass panels all along the quays that you can still see into the, the river, and yeah. you can see the boats and everything like that. Compare, it's just, you know what, they, they, they seem to be really... Here, doctors at tours, they really seem to have it, have the drinking on the streets. It was non-evident when I was down there. Uh, I came across one person begging, one person, and I was down there for four or five hours walking around. And I was just shocked. I was just going, whoa, has Cork really got this much of a problem? Well, certainly did on Wednesday when I was in there, because I actually, in, in some of the groups that I saw, there were all ages, people in their 50s and 60s who were clearly almost zombie-like. But also um, people in their late teens, young girls. There was a couple of young people uh, heading over a bridge at one stage, over Michael Collins Bridge, and I say they were no more than 18 or 19. They were holding each other's hands, but they were very, very, very drunk or out of it, staggering, almost incapable of walking, and they were in their late teens. It's great news that the Gardaí are setting up a task force to to handle antisocial behaviour in Cork City and obviously handle the drugs and everything like that, you know. 
and it's about time, but I think it's about five years too late, you know? They never have too a job late. In their it's hands. never too late. Well, it's never too late, but they're going to have a job in their hands to, to rectify the, the problem, and hopefully they do, because it's a shame to see it. It's Cork is a beautiful city. I fell in love with Cork back in 1990 when I first moved there, and on and off between Spain and France and stuff. I've always come back to Cork. It's home. But what I see is drink, like, not... Because you're not going to see... You're not going to really see the the heroin shooting up or the people smoking crack cocaine, but you will see the ravages of drink on our streets. And it's drink, really. That's the big one, always. A lot of drink. But if you you stayed around the post office, GPO, for a couple of hours, Neil, you'd be shocked. You'd see all the dealing going on. You see it, do you, in broad daylight? It's, 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 it's in broad daylight. There's one particular photographer, I won't mention his name, very well known in the city, has taken photographs of it and posted online of, of deals going down all over all of Prunker Street. It's, it's, it's there, under our noses. But there's plainclothes cops, aren't there? I believe so, yes. I believe so, but do you know what? I think their hands are tied with... with Please, if I hear con- if I hear hands tied again, I'm going to start pulling my fingernails out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but they're 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 not tackling the issue. You know, it needs to be tackled head on. But you're like, like with, the, with with all of the people who are street drinking, the people who clearly need help, psychiatric and medical. Where are you going? Where would you put them all anyway? You know, they can't get in. Yeah, like even for a, even for somewhere to sleep at night, I wouldn't think a lot of them are even left into Simon. No, they're not. Listen, these people can walk into an off-license and buy what they want. Whereas in a pub down the years, which I was um, in the bar trade, you're obligated and under law, you can't serve anybody that you think would be a danger to themselves or others. But I can walk into an off-license and buy whatever I want. But surely must, someone must be buying it for them because there's no off-license would serve the people that I saw. Surely. Oh, they're serving. Yeah. Right. Okay. They are. Okay. 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 And by the way, y'all is beautiful. Staycation, I'm staying at the Walter Rally Hotel. Good rates. Got the week, the whole week for 500 euros. I think it was a bargain. Four star hotel. People need to get out and about in Ireland and, and enjoy it. And is that for five nights or seven nights? That was for six nights. Wow, that's good value. That's good. And that's it's a four star value. hotel. They pump millions into that hotel. It is a beautiful, it's one of the cleanest hotel rooms I've been in. And I've got a lovely view of the sea. And every morning I wake up. Okay, okay. Just across the road from that up the street a little bit is Clancy's Bar and Restaurant. Do you know it? I do indeed. I do. I know Clancy's, yeah. Okay, well, the owner of that is a fellow called Padraig, right? So you go into Padraig and you tell him that I sent you and you tell him that I said he's to give you a pint, all right? Uh, <laughs> Padraig, I'll do that, Neil. Make sure, okay. you, make sure you do now and send me a picture of you with the pint, all right? I will, of course. Have a good one, Paul. Take care. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Lovely, lovely text from Martin. It's an exciting time in his life. Somebody here says that man, Martin, sounds like a very heartfelt, caring man that needs a break. A new job, a new life. He's making great strides already, and he doesn't even realize it, but he is. Never give up. All it takes is faith, trust, and belief. Don't let the past dictate the future. You're better than that. We can all hear it in your voice. Take up the gym offer, the new job. The gym will give you a host of new pals with all kinds of problems. Everyone has drama in their life. Yes, sorry. Well said. Thank you for that. Do you know that, actually, if you could just stop for a few minutes and give me a bit of time here, I'd be very appreciative because we were talking about, with a, with a chap earlier on who said a buddy of his, young man, student in UCC, 
uh, was caught for drink driving and took his own life because of the shame of it, probably at some stage just became so overwhelmed in the moment uh, that he it, 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 it led to him taking his own life. Um, and that's absolutely tragic. Uh, and, so, you know, some people are stronger than others uh, and some people can deal and cope with things better than others. And some people are just lucky. They manage to hang in there and, you know, they get a break and they catch a break and they're off and running again. And hopefully that would be the case with, with Martin. But about a week ago, um, I came across a, a very disturbing story of, of how something that happens in your life, if you can't deal with it, could lead you to, um, you know, self-harm. Um, let me let, let me just say that I actually had a conversation with the the gentleman that was um, involved in this horrific story, um, but I you know I, I can't air that conversation because subsequent to my conversation with him, uh, there is a, a guard involvement and a guard investigation, and also uh, there's some questions being asked of of the HSE at this point in time. So you know when all of that is sorted, I do hope to have a conversation with him. Lovely guy, incidentally, really really lovely. But in my conversation, I realised while chatting with him that. Another person uh, who maybe wasn't as strong as him, um, you know, it could have had tragic consequences for many. So I said, look, for now, anyway, just get your thoughts down on paper and um, uh, and we leave it at that for now. And he says, and he did. He says, I'm sending on the email to share with your listeners. Recently, uh, I experienced the most traumatic encounter I have ever had in my life to date. Um, a person entered my property with an iPhone filming uh, in the middle of a psychotic rage and heralding abuse and false accusations against me. Now, can I just say that he also sent me video footage um, of what, what, was, what was going on. He didn't take the video footage, but it'll become apparent in a moment who did. It was the person who came onto the property. Uh, but some of the accusations I got to see because of the video footage, and it, you know, the accusations were horrific, right? I won't go into the specifics of what he was being accused of, I'm probably leaving it to your imagination, but they were horrific, the things that were being said. Please be aware, the person who did this has been suffering from a significant psychiatric disorder for a number of years and was admitted to an acute mental facility on Leaside the day after the incident happened on my property, which brings me on to why this encounter has had such a significant impact on my life and my mental state. I want to start off by saying my issue here is not with the person as I'm aware they're unwell, as I stated above, and I hope this person gets the help they need, and hopefully they can have the quality of life everyone actually deserves. Uh, The range of professionals involved before, during, and after the admission were made aware of the content that was recorded on this person's phone and the need to take responsibility for this, and I hold them responsible for the damage that this has caused to me and my family subsequently. The video taken that day, you know, with the false accusations and the abuse that was hurled upon him, that video was posted on social media by the individual on their own Facebook page five days after they were admitted to the acute facility where the person is still an inpatient. Uh, This content of this video spread faster than COVID-19 at its peak online. I can't get my head around how in God's name a person who is that sick was assessed and admitted to an acute mental health facility by professionals who were made aware of the damning content and the seriousness of the event and was in possession of an iPhone, enabling them to share such content, which could be potentially the cause of another person needing to avail of the services or even worse, causing my suicide. 
Uh, and I need these questions answered. Where is the support for victims like me? Where is the protection for people not in the right state of mind, avoiding unlawful exploitation of both themselves and others? This person could have also videoed staff, vulnerable patients and other members of the public in their unpredictable state and also posted those kind of videos on their social media account. I want to voice that I understand it's a basic human right for people to have access to a phone to contact their loved ones, especially in such a vulnerable state. In my opinion, if a person is this unwell and not in the right state of mind, allowing them to have a smartphone with access to the Internet is equivalent to admitting a patient in possession of a loaded gun. I've never, ever felt so alone. Uh, I've never, ever felt so failed by the system. I am now at my most vulnerable state. Shakespeare said, he that filches from me my good name robs me of that which enriches him not and makes me poor indeed. Please respect my privacy. Keep my details confidential. But that actually is the truth. All of what he's saying happened and lots more besides. Um, So it raises questions, of course, that, you know, need to be put to the HSE to ask them, you know, what is the policy? Um, We we did ask them some questions. I, I, I don't know what the guard involvement is in this, but I know that the gentleman who I was talking to did go to the Garda Shikona uh, and also has um, is now wondering what his you know his legal rights here with regards to this HSE. Um, so I can't say anything about that. But we asked the HSE what was you know what was the policy with regards to uh, you know situations like this happening, preventing them from happening, and they said patients and residents at any of our facilities have the same rights as other citizens to use mobile phones and to keep in contact with loved ones. This includes accessing social media from within their facilities. Access to mobile phones for residents and patients is particularly important at the moment, given the restrictions uh, on visiting which are in place due to COVID-19. In relation to the concern you have raised about someone being filmed without the consent, We have a clear policy that no one in any of our buildings can be recorded or photographed without their permission and consent. This applies to staff, to people using our services and to the media. And that's the end of the statement. There could well be more on this in the coming months, perhaps years ahead, because you know how slowly the system moves. But he found himself, as he described as, in the most traumatic encounter I've ever had in my life. Firstly, that this person who's unwell came onto his property filmed him uh, and made awful abusive and false accusations against them, him. And then five days later, from within the psychiatric services on Leaside, in the facility, then posted the video online. So to a weaker person, because everybody, lots of people saw this video, it was shared. He was getting calls from people all over the country. Many, many people saw it. Uh, I think Facebook eventually took the video down, but I think it might have taken half an hour or 45 minutes, which in Facebook terms is actually quite fast, but not before many had, many people had seen it. 23 minutes, Brenda's telling me in my ear, 23 minutes. So they took it down fairly fast, but not fast enough for people to see it and to share it. And of course, that those kind of accusations, they kind of stay with you, you know? Like in people who wouldn't know you or uh, nasty people or people who engage in gossip and um, you know, so I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for the man involved although he is you know, very very shook from it um, you know to a weaker person of course it just could put them over the edge so I pass that on for what it's worth if there are developments in that story 
uh, I'll come back to it when, you know, legal issues permit me to do so. But we'll say no more about it until then. Okay, so let me just turn to different topics as we do. Uh, and I'll come back to some of the other issues and texts and emails and what have you throughout the course of the morning. But uh, I was keen to talk to Michael, who got in touch with me earlier on. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Nate. You can okay. hear me, yeah? Uh, loud and clear. Thanks for taking the call. You, you're, you're asking me to give, give us a break with, with your constant daily fear-mongering and my one-sided reports on the coronavirus. Explain that to me, please, will you? Okay. Um, what I would ask you, have you heard of any clusters of COVID in any car barracks throughout the country? Have I personally heard? No, I haven't. Yes. Have you heard of any clusters or quarantines of army barracks? No, I haven't. Prisons? None in prisons. Post offices? Are you asking me, do they exist or have I heard of them? Yeah, or, you know, have they been reported? Well, I'd, I can't say whether they've been reported in post offices or not, but... No, but they haven't, because if they had, they would tell us, and they would quarantine, and they would, they would um, identify the post office. There's been no clusters related to... Would they identify the post office, or would they just contact trace the people well, who would, would use them? They would have to, because if you visit the post office... They'd have to identify the post office so that you can come forward. Yeah, but would they publish the post office, I'm wondering? I would imagine. But look, to be truthful, yeah, look, we, we, we can kind of debate that. Okay. But that, okay. that's not the point. What I'm finding is, Neil, from you lately, is that you're, you're, you're spreading a one-sided narrative, which is a government narrative, which in my view cannot be trusted. They just cannot be trusted. Varadka came out there lately and he told us, well, he stated that the numbers that were given weren't correct. No one has taken her up in him. No one at all. You had a gentleman on there. Uh, well, I mean, far be it for me to defend myself, but I spent quite some considerable time on that earlier in the week, saying that people's deaths were listed at COVID when they died of other things. Yes, 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 yes. I agree, but I'm just giving the point, like where you're also giving the narrative, government narrative, but it, they can't be trusted. You had a gentleman on there earlier. He almost dismissed the the, the Black Lives Matter march. Uh, there was a, a few yeah to get on the others weren't. Doctor John yeah. Sheehan, the former Lord Mayor. Yeah. Oh, sure. That's enough. No, it's um, not enough. He, no, he's an honourable. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. No, well, you know. Is he okay? Um, you're saying that because he's a politician. All right. Well, I'll allow you. No, I'll allow no, you no, that. No, no. Yeah, yeah. He's Fine Gael as well. Like, so you know. Fine Fall. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Fine Fall. Yeah. Um, what was Jake on both their houses, says you. Yeah. He criticised the gathering in an open environment. I think it was Temple Bar. Where, where they're exposing it there on, on television. But he dismissed the Black Lives Matter. He just, you know, oh, well, you know, they were in an open environment. They weren't too long together. So this man should be asking about guard barracks, prisons, army barracks. But there was a cluster in Kilworth, wasn't there? Not that I know of. Did I, did I dream that? I don't know. I think there was. Can, can, can I ask you something? Have you had anyone... On, on your your show, on your show, have you interviewed anyone with, um, from the medical profession? Because I have no medical background, so I don't speak with any medical authority here, and I'm not trying to. Have you interviewed anyone? 
that have a different view of the COVID. Um, in oh man, I've spoken to so many different people in the last four months with all sorts of varying opinions. Absolutely. Who, who are they? Are, are they virologists? Are they immunologists? There would have been that and lots more besides. On, on whose side were they just speaking on behalf of? <sighs> Look, the vast majority the vast majority of medics would always come down on the side of caution, you know? The vast no, majority. Well, have, have, have you heard of Dr. De Bruyne? Yeah, I referred to that about two or three weeks ago when I was talking would, with... Would you, would, you think, would you think that you'd owe it to your listeners to get the likes of him on? But it's a completely different view. And then I resigned from his position under Simon Harris, the Minister for Health. Have you heard of Professor Dolores Cahill, immunologist? Yeah, yeah. Why, why don't... Why, look, what I'm asking you to hear, hear today, could you maybe try and get those people on your show? And let them get a second view. And what would that? What, what? What's your view? And and incidentally, can I just say uh, that there were two hundred cases of COVID nineteen reported in the Fomoy area since the beginning of the outbreak. Um, Twenty two cases in Rathcormac, five cases in Kilworth, fifteen in Mitchell, forty five in McCroom. Uh, why are you showing me these stats? That's a breakdown of of North Cork. What I'm looking for is the breakdown of stats from the Kilworth. I believe, unless I'm making this up, but I hope I'm not. Something here. It, it, it's a virus so deadly. It's so deadly that you have to be tested to find out if you have it. Meaning? It, 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 it's there in the, in, in the statement itself. The meaning is there in the statement itself. If it was so deadly, why would you have to be tested to know if you have it? Because, so deadly, be, because, you, you know, because it, it, to people who are healthy, you have it. I don't have to explain that to you. Because for people who have it, who are healthy, it's not going to be an issue for them. But for people who are healthy, who have it, who give it to somebody who isn't healthy or elderly or has underlying conditions, it's deadly. Yes, I agree with you. And therefore, why, why would you put the healthy under house arrest? Because that's what we were under, house arrest. But listen, you know... Can, can, look, can I say it, as I said? Don't, I don't for a moment this. think. Don't for a moment think that I don't agree with an awful lot of what you're saying. I mean, but, I've but, come. But, I've gone as close as I can on numerous occasions. On, have, no, no. I, listen, I, I mean, I, I, I can't drag out the audio of it, but we certainly could if you insist. But I have, on a number of occasions, said that, and a lot of it with the benefit of hindsight, right? That we shouldn't have gone into lockdown. We should lock down the nursing homes, lock down all of the hospitals cocooned and minded all of the elderly and the immuno-vulnerable and let everybody get on with their lives. I mean, if I've said that once, I've said it a Yes, but then you times. come along and then you give the government now to put on your masks, uh, download this app for tractor device, as you said, I've done it, and if I can do it, anybody can do it. I think that's... That's frightening. Okay, I'm mad keen to talk some more with you, so I hope you can hold, but I'm just out of time for now, Michael. We'll pick it up, because I'm keen to, to give you airtime. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, um, I'm just getting some stats there, incorrect stats there, Brenda, so you just want to double-check them and see the maths. It's it's not right at the moment, so we'll come back to it. But I ran out of time just before 11 with Michael. I wanted to give him an opportunity to make his points, uh, and he's yes. happy to do so. Um, just with regards to one question you asked me regarding army camps, two soldiers tested positive in Kilworth. Um, they were due with others to fly out to the Lebanon. Lebanon. They were in close contact with 25 others. 
So 27 of them, two of which confirmed positive, didn't fly to the lab. That was because of an outbreak in Kilworth camp. There were also there was also a bad outbreak in a meat processing plant up in the Fermoy area, which you're aware of, where lots of people were in close proximity. So that wasn't an army camp, but it was um, you know one of the meat processing plants. Did, uh, did, did they quarantine the army camp? The, the twenty? Well, no, not the army camp. No, but the twenty. Oh, why, why, but why not? The, because of track and trace, the twenty five who were in close contact. So it's not that deadly. Like track and trace, they have it fine. Go home, quarantine for a while, and all will be fine. Yeah, and 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 to be honest, if they're fit soldiers, you know, it's like it's a, like a bad cold, or you know, maybe a touch of flu or something like that. <laughs> you, you just you just said what I'm saying. It's a bit, listen, elderly. But I've always been saying that elderly people have died from it. Neil, they were vulnerable. They should have been protected. They weren't. They were abandoned. Could you do you remember the the super hospital bug? Is it MRSA? Am I uh, yeah? That right? hasn't gone away, you know. Yeah. Exactly, and I believe I wiped out my father. But that's that's another story. Could you imagine getting two patients in a hospital with that, putting them into a, um, a nursing home? That happened. Yeah. No, look, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I've I've said all of that before. You know. I mean, Neil, you 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 need what I'm trying to say to you. What we find, you're you're just constantly, daily, on, on the government narrative on this issue. I think there's orders out there. There's, um, it's growing around Europe and worldwide where uh, virologists, immunologists, members of the legal profession, I believe that they're even trying to organise a tribunal in the UK and hold those responsible for giving out false information and for allowing people in nursing homes to just die. Mm. Just like, what I've I'm said, I, I've dealt with that about Irish nursing homes as well. I mean, we're, yeah. like we were talking, like way back in in March and early April, and the the deaths and confirmed cases peaked in the middle of April, and we still hadn't got a nursing homes sorted out. I mean, I was talking to staff going in and out on a daily basis with no masks, no PPE, no sanitizers, no gloves, nothing. I mean, yeah. that was yeah. unforgivable. Michael Martin made a very very uh, worrying statement in the Doyle recently. He said there will be no return to normality until there's a vaccine. You know, he's telling people, we're going to keep you under control until you accept this vaccine. It's like that they're going to put us all on the carriages of a train and shift us off to a vaccine lab. Just like they've done with the Jews uh, during the war. You know, that, that's exactly what's happening. Oh, well, I know about that, like, I mean, there's... Yeah, yeah, but you, you, will, you will soon enough, Neve. You will soon enough know about that. And what I'm, what I'm asking you all, look, as I said... 555,000. I know, but look, let's look at some of the stats. 555,000. No, 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 I, don't, I, don't I don't want to look at the stats of the state. I don't have a medical background. Half a million people have died worldwide. 135,000 yeah, have died in America alone. Okay, let's, let's look at the stats from 2017 to 2019. In those years, there was more people died from flu and, and, and other um, flu, um, flu-related issues. More people died in those years than died during a pandemic. So there's your stats for you. Yeah, I know it. And more people are dying of famine every single day and they're dying of malaria. Yeah, but there's your stats. And the COVID don't add up to the stats as a pandemic. But we didn't know yeah. that in March when they were talking about no, potentially we 50 we to 70. We were all in fear. We, we were, were all in fear. Yeah. But, but the government knew that they should have 
um, immediately protected doors in nursing homes. They were told that from Italy. Lots and lots of people that went into hospital and went into the ICUs survived COVID-19. They were unwell people. They were immunosuppressant people. They had underlying conditions. They lived because the ICUs didn't get overwhelmed. 436 people throughout all of this went into ICUs in Ireland. It could have been thousands. The health system, they say, could have collapsed. That's what the fear they were putting out there. That's fear. No. That's why I'm saying the fear mongering is coming out over radio stations. No, we got to basis. we got to around about the twenty second, twenty third of April. Do you remember that you're peak? Talk, you're promoting wearing of masks. At the start of this, we were told, and Dr. Fauci, he himself and other other um, so called experts in the field, told us there was no benefit from wearing masks. But now they're losing control. That people are beginning to wake up. They want to maintain that control with the masks until they get a vaccine. It's about controlling the people until they force them into get a vaccine. Look, what I'm trying to say to you here, and I've been trying to say it for a while now. Right. What I'm asking you, bring on the likes of Dr. Marcus De Bruyne. I think you ought your listeners. If you're, pastor, if you're putting out one side of the narrative... I'm not putting out one side of the narrative, Michael. I think you are, I'm just and not. I'm going to say you are. I, I believe you are, and I know others have said it as well in conversation that you are putting out a one-sided narrative. You're saying one thing, you believe one thing, and then you're putting out a narrative that's contradicting what you are. So what do I believe? Tell me what I believe. What you told me earlier on. You've named a number of things. Look, I'm asking... But you you won't, like, the one thing you won't let me do is give you out the, give the figure of the amount of people who have died worldwide. I tried to say it twice and you stopped me. I, I didn't. You said you, you don't want to know about... You, you were, no, no, you were talking about statistics. Yeah. And I gave you statistics. But they're not statistics. Like, like for yeah. instance... No, no well, they're yeah, not. The, the 1,743 people who died in Ireland, they're not statistics. They're people. I mean, if you did you see the RTE double documentary on it? What's the population of Ireland? Change out of 5 million. Yes. How many die every year out of flu pneumonia? We didn't know. No, listen, I don't want to be accused of giving the government narrative in anything. But we didn't know in March what was coming. We just didn't have any idea. There was Please, they were informed. No. They, were, they, knew, they knew from Italy that you, you, number one was the elderly people with underlying problems, frail and I know elderly. I've said that you since... Protect- I'll be saying that till Christ comes back off the cross. Neil, that if we had hindsight asking, now... Are you, are, you, are you avoiding my request? No, I'm not avoiding. I'll talk to anybody. I, I certainly will. Yeah, I talk, oh, no. to, well, well, then, talk to anyone you want, in, including well, Barry. No, hold on, hold on, including then, Barry. Yeah. Barry, go ahead. Hi, Neil. Morning. How are you doing? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I, look so I don't think Michael realizes how much I actually agree with him. But anyway, go ahead. Well, I looked at the balloon and let him let him give his version of this. Our Dolores Cahill. Bring him on, Neil. Barry, I will. Leave your list. Leave your. I mean, I, if I come in there now, you know, and, and by the way, I'm not trying to sell tinfoil hats or anything. All right, move around a bit anyway, Barry, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Likening, likening the, the Jewish Holocaust to the vaccine with COVID, like, I'd like some of what this chap is on. I mean, we, we, we all know the politicians and health officials have apologized about the, um, the and I don't mean to be a little bit calling it an oversight of the old age homes, but we have to remember 
Like an we, oversight. We are where we well, are. It wasn't an oversight. It wasn't an oversight. People were screaming. It wasn't an oversight. Mistake for me. But they acknowledged them. But like we are where we are, exactly as you said, because of the measures that we took. I mean, this is typical of Ireland. Like everyone is saying, ah, there was no need. There was no need for a lockdown. Typical of Ireland. Sorry, can I say something? An oversight of the nursing homes. Is that what you call it? No, no, no! I didn't. I, I, I prefaced the word oversight by saying it wasn't an oversight. It was an. It was a mistake, and they said that. It wasn't but in terms a mistake. Of they were informed. They, they were informed from seeing what happened in other countries. It wasn't a mistake. I know, people but I, I'm on, I'm on here because you, you, you like you likened uh, putting people on trains for a vaccine for COVID to the Jewish Holocaust and what happened to, to Jews in Germany in the 1940s. And I just thought. Let me tell you my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... That is mad. It's, it's, what I'm saying is... It's not an accurate comparison by any stretch of the imagination. There is nothing to compare with the Holocaust of the Jews. Absolutely. No, I, I, know I, know yeah, okay. yeah. I think any right-minding person would agree with that. So we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. If, I can, if I can make my point, you know, we are where we are because of the measures we took. But typical Ireland, everyone seems to think uh, there was no need for a lockdown short, sure, never really spiked. But we know now, we know now there was no need for a lockdown, but we didn't know but, then. But hang on, first of all, there wasn't a lockdown, lads. There was a lockdown in Melbourne. There was a lockdown in Spain. We were restricted. Second of all, I we were never... Go away. There was a, a, there was a major lockdown, for God's sake. There was no lockdown. There was no lockdown. There was no police telling you what to do. Everyone was on... There was police telling you what to do. I know, listen, people are going to people are going to turn us off now for all shouting and roaring at each other. There was a lockdown and there were police telling us... No, I'm just telling you that you're... There was a lockdown and there were police telling us what to do. They were stopping people. Every second Facebook and Twitter feed was people talking about how they told the guard they were going shopping. We were on restrictions. We weren't on lockdown, lads. But what I'm saying is, can I finish my point? All right, let him finish can at I least, because we'll point. drive people crazy otherwise, lads. We really will. Yeah. So, well, yeah. everyone forgets that because of the measures that were put in place, we are where we are. If we hadn't done that, we'd be in a lot worse. So, everyone saying that the, restriction, the restrictive measures that were put in place were unnecessary I know. is wrong because you need a crystal ball to, to no, but, 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 but wait a second. Why didn't, why didn't some bright spark realize that the average age of a death or the median age of a death would be somebody 78, 80, 82, 83 years old? And that if we mined them like precious cargo, which is what they are, that. That's um, the real question. Yeah, That's the that, real question. But why didn't, they, why didn't they know that? Why didn't they know that people in nursing homes and people who are elderly with with uh, with um, underlying illnesses were all that well, needed see, to be protected? Part, part of the problem, part of the problem in this country is that the, the, the nursing home industry is mostly privatised. So? That's part of the problem. So therefore, they're not state run, so there's a disconnect by choice by either side when they want. That's ridiculous. Nah, sure, that wouldn't that's be absolutely acceptable absolutely in any modern society. Saying that we let people die because they're in private it, care. No, no, I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean we let people die. I'd like to, but when it came to funding, for right. people, okay. the, state, okay. the state decided that the, 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 the nursing homes were private and therefore they weren't to the fore as the public hospitals were. If all the nursing homes in the country were publicly funded, publicly managed, maybe they would have been in there. That's what I'm saying. Is potentially part of the problem. Under the emergency legislation, the government had a duty to all citizens, whether you're in a nursing home or outside it. Under the emergency legislation, they abandoned yeah, and, it. And they made an absolute shame of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're, you're making a of your side of the story as well. 
His side of the story, what? He's making aims of it? Yes, his statements there are absolutely atrocious. What statement? Pushing off the, pushing off the nursing home scandal as, as a, a mistake. But sure, no, it was, no, no, no. But sure it was a mistake. It was, it was it a wasn't mistake. fatal mistake. No, it wasn't a mistake. There will be inquiries into it. That's inevitable. Okay, hold, hold on there, Morris. So if it was a mistake, why are they going to have inquiries? Morris. Good morning, Neil. Go ahead. Yeah, I do agree with him that there is a government narrative coming from the media in general, all right, like, and I think he's definitely right about that. And where, where they're getting the figures from uh, is another matter of concern. They have adjusted the figures downwards. Uh, we had Connor Till, Tilger of the, the, the Health Quality Authority telling, telling, telling us uh, you know, at the start of the month that, that the, the, the figures were adjusted downwards and there was thoughts about where they were getting the figures from. They even mentioned one particular website um, about where they were getting these uh, death figures from and the reclassification of, uh, of people dying from ordinary de- deaths like, by, by other natural causes and reclassify them as COVID-19. It is time to be... How many of them, do you think? What proportion? You see, we don't know, Neil, and that's the thing. Like, So they can tell us anything and they can base it on, you know, they can base it on just about anything Have they, they readjusted the 1,743 figure, like, for instance? That seems to be an unadjusted figure to me. Well, they did adjust. Me, me, that would be uh, part of an investigation. No, I'm just, I'm just wondering. Do we know what the accurate figure is now? We don't. We don't. Yes. Okay. 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 And you believe? Do you believe that there's a growing amount of discomfort and suspicion, Morris? Growing. I certainly think there is a suspicion there, and people, people, people have have a right. They did people question people asking me all the time and asking other people, do you know of anybody who died of COVID-19? And the public are getting sceptical of what's going on. We're getting so much information. There's a lot of it contradicting each other. Uh, the buses were allowed to run uh, throughout the whole thing, like throughout. And uh, long There's nobody on them. There was nobody on them. And you know that as much as I do. They were empty. Well, you can't, that. You can't make that statement. You can't make that's that. Relevant, yeah. well, so, I, like, I can't see with my own two eyes for weeks and well, weeks. And I, we every bus that's going but, around, but not every statement. Not every bus, but the buses that that's I saw. Statement, but, but Neil, the decision, the, decision, the decision to run the buses was extraordinary, to say the least. There is some doubt about what's going on with this COVID nineteen. No, no, I think it's a load, load, load of hogwash. At the end of the day, people die of natural causes all the time, and if they want to reclassify them as COVID nineteen, they're going to do it. AIDS has ki- AIDS has killed twenty five million people around the world, and forty three million people, okay, have actually been affected by AIDS. And they're not saying a word about it. They're just focusing on this one particular disease, scaring the life out of everybody. And at the end of the day, I don't think the public are buying it anymore. Okay. Well said, Morris. Okay. What, okay. what are you drinking and I'll buy you a pint. Okay, I got to, I'll pick up on um, some of your uh, your advice, Barry, for Monday's, sorry, some of your advice, Michael, right. for Monday's programme. How about that? So bring on, bring on Dr. De Bruyne and look for Dolores Cal. I have no Dr. De Bruyne is on t- uh, Twitter all the time. Perfect. I have no doubt. I've no doubt they'd be delighted. All right, on. let's get some other I, people's I, opinions I, I on. Show had them on. All right, let me just say, Barry, you, are you okay? Uh, you finished? Yeah, cheers, yeah. Neil. Look, I, I came on about the, the Jewish state that got roped into uh, an argument. So look, is that all? Ah, just be kind, man. Will you be kind? Be kind. All right. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Morris. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, and uh, hopefully with some more good weather ahead in the weeks to come, we have some great uh, family passes to give away just before midday again today. And as well as that, Oak Fire Pizza are on board. They've sent us loads and loads of vouchers for large pizzas to give away. Uh, we're doing it all week. And again, next week, the hottest wood-fired pizza place in Cork is also Al Fresco. 
because they're part of the Eat on the Street initiative on Princess Street in the city centre. So maybe some outdoor uh, pizza in the sunshine would be nice. Princess Street in the city, Bridge Street in Bandon, Rossa Street in Clonakilty. And on top of that, family passes for Spike, Photo Wildlife Park, Cork City Jail, Blarney Castle, St. Mary's Collegiate in Yall, Yall Clockgate, the Michael Collins House, Cove Heritage Centre, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, and even an opportunity to ring the bells in Shandon. All that between now and midday. I'll stay at my phone lines. A lot of business I'll be coming back to on Monday because I'll run out of time this morning. Noah, good morning. Morning, Neil. Uh, uh, the, stats, the stats for Thailand are 65 million people. And out of 65 million people, according to radar, there is only 58 deaths. Yeah, and your point is, how did they get it under control, is it? They got it under control because they took it on straight away and they closed down the country. Our, our government here were afraid to take the bull by the horns because they're afraid of the multinationals. So we did too little That's too late. Exactly. But sure, like when we were reading about this in the, the first week in March, or at least I was, they were talking about a potential death rate of between fifty and 70,000 people overwhelming yes. the hospital service and crippling the ICUs. That's, that was the well, talk. Why have, you only, why have you only 58 people in Thailand that died with 65 million people living there? Track and tracing, wearing masks, temperature checks, locking down the economy. On board straight away, bro. Government didn't. Mm. The government didn't take it on board straight away when they should have. Oh, without a doubt. In hindsight, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of it was lackadaisical. Without a doubt. Oh, without a doubt, and it's the same again. You know, at the moment, and you have these people that are flying out on holidays, pay the multinational, take the money out. They won't give the money back to the people. They owe thousands. They were, the airlines owe thousands to people and they're, they're, they're not giving it back because they said because they fly sport. That's right. The same thing. The government, the government needs to step in and put their mark on it because they're not doing it. And the last three governments haven't done it. <clears throat> Do you believe that COVID-19 was a storm in a teacup? No. It was there before Christmas, I tell Okay, but... But every every death is a sad death. We don't we don't we don't know we don't know the accurate figure because, because some we're not being told. Well, some had we're been, been were misdiagnosed deaths, but we're not being told. It's been kept quiet. We're not being told. They knew it. In, they knew it in China. China way before Christmas. Like we know that fifteen hundred and forty-five people tested positive for COVID nineteen in Cork. Fifteen hundred and forty. Yeah. I mean, some con- some counties like at eighty and ninety. Positive uh-huh. tests. You know, I mean, but we need we need to grasp this thing properly. The government aren't doing it. They're not. They're not giving. They're not giving the powers to the right people. And these kids that are going out in groups, fine. Sure, get bring the families into it. Get the get the, the parents. Bring the parents into us. Find them. They're putting everybody else's life at risk. Okay. All right. Thank That's you. What for the, doing. Much obliged. Pat O'Neill um, headed off out to uh, Grand Canaria. He's having a ball. Pat, good morning. All right, Neil. Come here, stars. Muy bien, I think, is the answer Muy to that. Bien. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything's good. I mean, uh, I arrived safely. I got the flight there from Cork last Friday. And I said it was only about 30 or 35 people on it, you know. Okay. So 25% full then, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was one less person because there was uh, one lady um, had a bit too much whiskey in the off license, so she never got on it. So, so there was one there. She didn't get on it or she wasn't allowed on it? 
it wasn't allowed on. All right, but the rest of you travelled anyway, much to her. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, so I've been here in Las Palmas now, uh, which is the capital of Gran Canaria, for a week, and uh, everything's great. Everything's great here, indeed, you know. Um, I'm like they are taking it serious over here. I suppose one of the main differences I noticed is that about say forty percent of the people on the street are wearing masks. Are you? Me? <laughs> no, I'm not. But you need to wear masks if you're going to a shop. Um, you need to wear masks if you're going into a shopping centre. So I have a mask with me all the time. So I do wear it where you where it's uh, kind of under the law. You need to wear it. You know. Okay. Well, was the plane clean? Um. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Spotless. Um. But the airport was very quiet. Then you know. I think there was only four flights that day. There was two to the UK, which I think were running all the time. Okay. There's one to Gran Canaria and one to, I think, Cascaroni or something. So it's quiet then, but is it quiet in restaurants, on the beaches, in pubs? It is, it is. I'll give you an example, right? I'm in the north, I'm in the uh, last time, there's about 400,000 people here. So it's twice the size of Cork, you know. It's It's more Canarian and it's more Spanish, but I was down the south. Last week, you know, where you have Mas Palomas and Playa Dinga and Puerto Rico. And I'm like, it's dead down there. I'm like, if anyone's thinking that there's masses of people here um, hitting the clubs and the bars, you know, it's not happening. Not yet anyway, you know. Okay, so is it all table service? Yeah, it's all, well, uh, mostly. Um, I suppose because the, the weather is good anyway, people like to sit outside, you know. But there are bars. i give an example. There was an Irish bar here. And I was in it uh, the other day, so um, they don't have any table service. Um, you can order at the bar, you know. Can you drink it at the bar and everything with other people? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I suppose, I suppose that's one thing I did notice, and maybe that's a small worry about um, when the bars are open in Cork. Uh, like if you're inside and people have a bit too much to drink, um, you will see people starting shaking hands, you know. Because I think if you're after six or seven pints, uh, your uh, the barriers come down a bit, you know. Do you shake hands with anybody? No, they were all hugging. They're very Latino, but uh, I'm I'm unhuggable, you know. So no one is hugging me. <laughs> they used to say a handshake is as good as a hug, but now, of course, neither are good news. They tell us. So okay, so they kiss each other like like they give two kisses where we where we say hello, you know. So when you come back, what are you yeah. going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to... No, I lost that bit there. What are you going to do? I'm going to sell by Smith, whatever the rule is, when I come back, you know. For two so, weeks? Uh, for two weeks. Uh, well, I'm kind of putting together a new travel website. It's not up and running yet, uh, but it will be when I'm back, so I'll, I'll do that for home. And you won't meet people and you will quarantine on your own? Absolutely. Absolutely, I'll do that. But, I mean, like, for example, it's... Uh, I'm, do, I, I'm probably, I actually really, really feel safer here than it would in Cork City. So you, you can't know? say, well, look, I don't want to be scaremongering people and Michael yeah. will accuse me of that, but you can't say that with any amount of certainty because you don't know who, where you, who, who you're with, uh, yeah, where they've been. You know, and all that. Yeah, do you know who you're with in, if you were in Cork? You know, so 
Like oh, listen, I mean, uh, like the UK have, have issued their list of 60 countries that people in the UK can now fly to. We haven't, and we won't anytime soon. And the government is saying don't travel. In fact, companies now are telling staff members, I see this around the country, where they're saying don't go on an overseas holiday this year. And if you do, you will have to take two extra weeks holiday when you come back and quarantine. And working from home will not apply. That's how serious they're taking it here. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm mean, like, for example... Is everyone in Europe uh, wrong and we're right? Uh, and I say, for example, if you live in Dundalk, you've been told not to go to Spain. But like, if you live across the border, the border in Norway, you're being told it's safe to go there. You know? Yes, I know, I know, I know, I know. So, I'm like, I, the thing is, I was looking at some stats yesterday. I think there's only about thirty percent of the air capacity coming into Blanken area this July, uh, as against last July. You know. So it's not happening, you know. I mean, it's seventy percent. Like, and most of those flights are not going to be full. So, I maybe if you weren't playing English last year, and it was like it'll be seventy-five percent less full this year, you know. You're aware back home that they're they're talking about a, an increase in positive cases. Now we are only talking about twenty-three, but you know that yeah. uh, it's among young people. I've seen that. Uh, yeah, like uh, I, I like listening to your show, another talk radio show. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm kind of up to date in that information. But, like, I think that's... Like, say, for example, we were in lockdown. And I agree with you, we were in lockdown. You know? uh, anyone that says we weren't, uh, I, I can't understand that. But, for example, like, if you went into Cork City Centre one month ago and you went in there today, it's a totally different animal, you know? Yeah. People are, uh, like, having coffee together. So, I'm like, I'm not surprised that the stats have gone up again because... I think you have two options. You either lock down until we get a cure. Uh, could be two years. Or you just... No, you can't do that. Like, you get, no, people have to get to work. Businesses have to reopen. Like, you no, know. or else you learn to manage it, you know? The cure so, is worse than the disease, you see. That's the thing. I mean, look at the health or the, or the child care. I mean, that's in crisis. That was in crisis before. Okay, I got another, I got a text here saying, I agree with Pat. I was in Marbella last week and I felt so much safer there. Everything is, poli- everything is policed and most people are wearing masks, says, says Tony. I'm assuming he, he's in quarantine now that he's back. I went to a shopping centre uh, two nights ago and I actually forgot to put on my mask. I didn't get five yards before the security guard came off to me. And I apologise and I put it on, you know. So, did, did anybody take your phone number or your address when you landed in um, in Gran Canaria? Uh, it was very quick. I tell you what happened. Uh, you went off to passport control, but Ryanair sent uh, an email. Uh, it's called like a locator form. So I filled all of that out before uh, I left, and you just basically handed it to the Garda Civil, and there was like a medical desk that you passed. I think maybe an infrared thing. But the whole process took about three minutes. So the infrared took your temperature, did it? It is. I went over to them. I actually thought they, that you actually had to stop there and they just said continue, you know? Okay. So All I, right. Okay. Minutes. But like, actually, like, I heard that person saying that um, they, there's a lot of kids going to Spain or something like that. But the club's only reopened on Monday and there's no dancing and it has to be table service. So. I don't think they're going to be much fun, you know. Well, I know there's going to be nowhere near the numbers that were going on leaving cert holidays, but I've just been hearing that they have started at least some of them, you know, which uh, some yeah, might say yeah. some yeah, might say they, you can't control them. They're over eighteen. Others are baffled by their recklessness. I don't know what to make of it. I'm like the Canarians. I very talk about Canarians because I lived in that town for a couple of years, but they're chilled out people anyway, you know. 
So uh, okay. I've actually I've actually forgotten how bad the service is there. You know, takes well enough get a coffee. You know, they're too chilled out for you. All right, okay, but listening. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the break. Appreciate you taking the call. Take care, Pat. It's not a great line. I'll leave it there, but I do appreciate your input. Thank you. Veronica, good morning. Morning. Okay, what's on your mind? Well, the caller there said that we all take a different approach. Like, I know that Thailand, father-in-law lives there. Um, they closed everything down. Like, it was like a panic attack. So um, nobody was allowed to go outside. No soccer matches, pubs closed, restaurants closed. Everything closed, honestly. Um... That's not the right approach either. Um, All of those things happened here, incidentally, as well. Not really. No, not really. We were asked not to. It wasn't a lockdown as such in some different countries. Like, um, lockdown is when you are mandatory to stay inside and they police you. There wasn't the police presence here to do that. So people were still going out. People were still traveling. I mean... It wasn't as such, like, do you know, um, in Thailand, you really had a lockdown. You locked down. inside. Like, he had an hotel room. It's kind of like a hotel room, and he was locked inside there. The only thing he was allowed to do was go down to the lobby, and that was basically it. Um, they were barely outside at all. Um, that's policed over there. The same happened in China, where you weren't even allowed to step outside your building without a police being okay. present. Okay. Here we were asked not to and people with a cup of sense didn't but it wasn't as, as such a lockdown. I, I mean I have people that I know across the globe and people that tell me what happened to them. Like what they did here was fine but on the other side um, all these parties that were going on with kids and they're not allowed to go inside to break them up. Like that's not really policing a lockdown. That's not really policing the guidelines. That's just saying, okay, you're doing this A, B, C, and D, but you're a different side because you're younger. You can go and have a party, and we can't do anything about you it. You know all That's the college road does. stuff. Do you like, for yeah. instance, I know that in in Waterford with the sixty nine that came out of the three bedroom that party, they were all told to leg it, and they did leg it. Nothing happened. They just legged it. Then you had the story coming from Bandon, and you had all of the the gangs travelling from Balancholic to Carrigaline and the Mount Oval carry-on and again, all the stuff on the College Road. Say College Road with the parties up there. Do you think guards should go in and literally just break them up? Yes, that they should find them. And if they don't pay, let the parents pay. I mean, yes, most of them are over 18. So let them pay. Let them do a working punishment. Let them suffer some way to tell them this is not okay. This is not fine. This is wrong. This is not what we want in Ireland. This is not what we want for our people. You don't have the uh, option to annoy your neighbours. Like, we should all be neighbourly. We should all take care of each other. But like 23 cases of COVID-19 in a country in one day. That's tiny, like, that's almost like saying 23 people got the flu, you know, except that you need to stay away from the elderly and don't go into a nursing home and mind hospitals. Like, surely be to God at this stage, we can just get on with our lives. Uh, sure, look, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm all for let's get on with our lives, but I think there should be measures. Like, there's, there's certain countries, and there's a lot of countries now, actually. Um, I'm looking at the news in Belgium because we have the app, so we can actually follow the news in Belgium, which gives us a lot of information about other countries and what they're doing proactively is saying that, look, if you go into a shop, um, a dentist, um, a school, anything like that, you wear a mask. I know, um, I know, yeah, I know. And we, we should do the but same. Do you know, do you know, like, do you know anybody that tested positive for COVID-19? Yes. You did? Yes, oh, you do? One. In Ireland? 
in not in Ireland. No, I'm saying in Ireland because I don't. No, and I don't think that it was that bad in Cork. It was just not being punished for Dublin. That's my opinion of it. No, I have spoken to people on air who got COVID-19 and I've spoken to people who have lost loved ones to it. But personally, none. None myself. But, but, But how did they lose them? Because honestly, these people, they're very unlucky and oh my God, um... I, I bless them all for the loss they suffered because it's very tough. I've lost people to COVID, not in Ireland, but I still lost them. So I, I know I nearly lost my grandmother. Um, I mean, it, it's all kind of uh, surreal. But like these people, it was brought into uh, a nursing home. How was it brought in? Who was responsible? There's a lot of factors that we didn't take into account in Ireland. Like these people that... Our nurses, they, they have been brilliant, don't get me wrong. They are amazing people. I, I love God for them, for, for giving these people to us because I couldn't do what they've done. But um, they were carriers as well. From their yeah, I know, I know. And, and we don't know? have stats on that here. So, uh, But in the UK, exactly. there's a stare that was reading at the weekend that they were saying that all of the PPE and everything that was being loaded up was loaded up to frontline staff and that... Too little, too yeah. late was given to admin hospital staff and to porters and cleaners and people in yeah. catering. And unfortunately, it was getting into their hospitals and nursing homes that way. So I don't exactly. know. Exactly. And that's what, like, being disrespectful to those involved. No, and you're not disrespectful. You're just saying it as it is. And they couldn't have known. They're, they're not liable for it. It's not their fault, but it's the fault of the government. And look, they've been good throughout this. And I've seen what Belgium did, and they were horrible. So don't complain about Ireland, please, okay. because I've seen other countries. Okay. But like in Belgium, it was the same. Like my mother, my my mother-in-law works in a nursing home. Her nursing home was kept safe because of the measures they took, like straight on from the moment it started in Italy. That nursing home kind of went into lockdown before anything else. And they were safe. Nobody died from COVID in there. So we should have copped on faster. Once it started happening in Spain and Italy, we should have copped on faster. We should have taken action faster. The government was kind of saying, oh, we'll take it slowly. No, you should have gone straight ahead, just blow into it, give it four weeks and then reopen slowly again. But you know, none of that will work if the bo- anyway. Well, look, the borders are open yeah, and know. tourists can continue to come in here. So that you know, kind of that, that holds that one below the waterline. Okay, thanks, Veronica. Appreciate it. The Avondu this morning is reporting the two North Cork pubs are under investigation for COVID breaches. You know, we were talking about the couple of dozen pubs where files have been prepared for the DPP. It looks as if maybe two of those were North Cork pubs, by all accounts. With regards to the bars uh, behaving badly, I honestly, think no one should be in a busy. Bo- nobody should be a busybody. And nobody should be reporting businesses, bars included. It's very petty and small-minded. Surely it's up to every one of us to police ourselves only and not pass remarks on anyone else. We've all had a hard time over the past few months. I do not have the right to report anyone and I would never do it to anyone. Uh, We do need to get back our lives and to live our lives. All businesses have suffered. You only need to look at the closed businesses all around us. We're now living in a controlled environment and it worries me that there'll be huge problems with mental health in the near future. Uh, Deirdre says, um, should we, you know, this was, should we be outing the bars that are behaving badly? She says, I wouldn't report our locals. Uh, what I would like to know is, will our local bars tell us what we have to face before going in? I think it's awful on the bar staff who are our friends. I'm not quite sure what you mean like that. I think you're talking, oh yes, when the local bars open, um, just ones that don't serve food, I think. You know, what will the protocols be? I haven't seen any complaints in Cork with people all over the street drinking like in Dublin. Uh, I have been out here. I had a meal and a few beers. I went home. 
um, if they stick to social distancing, what harm can they be doing? The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, who'd have thought we'd been, uh, we'd been crunching the numbers with 23 positive cases? Way back in the day, of course, there was multiples of those and multiples of deaths as well. How many of the 23 cases are travel-related, says Dave and Douglas? He believes 15. I don't know, and I don't know where you got that stat either, but if it's an accurate one, it's an accurate one. You're saying 15 of the 23 are travel-related. I don't know, the percentage of travel-related is tiny. Uh, over the past four months. Um, actually, Bia calls it not a pandemic. She calls it a scamdemic. Brian says it's only a matter of time for all the pubs to be shut again. It's the worst place for the virus to spread because people lose the run on themselves after a few drinks. I have no issue with people enjoying themselves, but people died and are dying and died, of course, yesterday. Uh, it's serious. There were six deaths Thursday evening. What's it going to take for people to start acting responsibly? Ian says, I can't go and sit. I can go and sit in a coffee shop and drink coffee. But I can't do it in a pub. That's ridiculous. Open all the pubs. And the scenes in Dublin were people on the streets. The pubs are not responsible for people on the streets who won't move on. Most pubs filled to their quota, provided food, controlled the movement of customers throughout their bar. It was the people outside. Linda says, open all the pubs. Then people won't be acting like that. They'll have far less people in every pub with more pubs open. Food doesn't prevent this virus. Uh, how would you know people are staying in these places far longer than the recommended time? I think people just love to moan. Thank you for that selection of uh, text. We'll come back to it and pick it up again on uh, Monday and all of the business as well. Now, uh, I have some shout-outs to do and then I have some competitions and giveaways. Oak Fire Pizza have given us lots of pizza and I have some family passes to give away as well. Amongst them, um, some family passes for uh, many of Cork's best tourist attractions and things to do. Amongst them, Atlantic Sea Kayaking, family trips to give away. And the man behind that is Jim Kennedy. He joins me by phone. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Not not much time, unfortunately. So, what do you do and where do you do it? Uh, I'm. We have a sea kayaking business down in West Cork in Cork City called Atlantic Sea Kayaking. And I suppose we're at the, the nice end of all this is we see people coming out who are stressed and we bring them out to the great outdoors and try and get them to relax and enjoy a new discipline and enjoy the, the blue exercise and the green exercise. So we're talking um, Mizzenhead, the Galleyhead, Lochine, places like that. Yeah, Castlehaven Bay, Cork City under the rivers. Most of our stuff is down in the west between Galleyhead and Mizzenhead. And we get, uh, this year it's a lot of local tourism, which is fantastic, and Irish tourism. And it's really opening up for us. And it's great to see Irish people discovering Ireland and seeing what beauty we have here. Bit of whale watching, I suppose, down there too, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there's a few the guys do whale watching. We see them occasionally in the kayaks, but they tend to be a little further out and you have to travel a bit. So really it's the faster boats get to them. But incredibly at the moment, between dolphins, whales, sunfish, so really interesting down here. So much to see. Would you need to be experienced in a kayak to get one of those family passes and to head off? No, not at all. The less you know, the better we look, I suppose. But no, we take really nervous beginners and... One of our things is to show them how safe they are and how enjoyable the sea and nature can be in a very safe, it's a safe environment as long as you're a sensible person. But I do stress to everyone they should take some training and some advice. Because the sales of kayaks are going to be crazy at the moment. Everyone wants to be out there. But do take precautions. You know, yeah, yeah. Anybody on the water needs to take precautions. But with you guys at this kayaking company, you're with them, minding them, giving them, showing them the ropes and stuff. There is nothing more beautiful than Loch Ine on a summer's day. So that must be a very safe kayaking trip. 
Yeah, now there's hundreds of places that are as beautiful as Loch Ayn. Loch Ayn tends to have a great name. It's beautiful, of course. It's a small area, but there's so many bays around the place. And people look at us and say, oh, we need the bioluminescence in Loch Ayn. But that's all over the sea down here. We're, we're, as I say, we're so lucky to live in this area. Okay. All, are all ages picking up? The young, middle-aged, elderly in there? Yeah. Now, due to restrictions with insurance and all that, we can't take anyone under eight years of age. But there are other people, other places like Ross Carberry and uh, Clonakilty and so on can take younger people. But we tend to go for the more uh, eight upwards. We have family trips. Gotcha. gotcha. And then our night trips and so on are 16 years of upwards. And the night trips would be spectacular in their own right. And also you talk about the city, so you're kayaking under the bridges of the Lee and things like that. Yeah, it's old at the moment for obvious reasons, but we will be back at it again fairly shortly. And uh, we'll do it on, we'll do an under-the-bridge trip. We've been doing that now for about 15 years. And about four years ago, it was one of the top 10 urban experiences in the world. So. Yeah, you're doing very well with the awards, actually. I saw a number of them. So if people want a book, what are, what are we talking about? Um, a family, say a couple, is it is that right? 60 euro for a couple? Uh, it depends. All various prices. We try and facilitate families who have to pay a lot, so we try and keep it as affordable as possible. And then we, we try and do deals as well as people come to us a second time. So we are, our website is atlanticseakayaking.com and all the information is on that. You know, Brilliant stuff. I could be talking here for hours if I had to give you everything. Not at all, man. What's the, what, what are you seeing the weather forecast for the weekend like? Amazing. Loads of sunblock, very little winds. And just watch out. It, it'll be busy. Everyone will be going out there. So take the precautions. Remember, we're still social distancing and we're, we have to look after things. And we have a great setup for that, as most of the people. Ah, come here. You can certainly social distance and physically distance in a kayak. Of that, you can. Okay, so AtlanticSeaKayaking.com for people that want to follow up. Jim, thanks for giving me the family passes. I'm happy to give them away on your behalf. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Neil. Good to speak to you. You too. And he said the weather for the weekend, amazing. Loads of sunblock. Certainly on the water. You need extra on the water because of the... You know, the reflections from the water, so you need to be careful in that regard. Okay, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We have the Atlantic Sea Kayaking uh, Passes to give away a couple of those. We'll also do some of the Spike Island Passes. Spike is open for you. And uh, might do one or two for Cork City Jail as well, and perhaps a couple for Photo Wildlife Park. You need to, to book time slots at the Wildlife Park. Uh, you need to reserve online before travelling uh, to Photo Wildlife Park. But get dialing for some of those passes on 1850-104-106. couple of shout-outs before I love you and leave you. There's a very special anniversary there. Can I just get that one if you don't mind when you, when you get a chance? Um, okay, they're not hearing me right now, but some shout-outs in the meantime. My friend and I usually go on sun holidays. However, we've decided on a staycation this year due to the pandemic. We heard you talking about Port McGee and we decided we'd try it, even though some of us weren't too sure where it was. We're all from Cork City. But we got a lovely uh, holiday home for six of us for five nights in early August. Very reasonable and we're really looking forward to it and we need the break. Might see you down there. But if you have a pizza voucher you want to send our way, then we'd put it to good use as well, says Denise. Una, Grace, Emer, Kate and Ashling. Well, I might be down there. You never know. And if you see me, do say hello. And I'll organize a hot piping pizza for you guys uh, from Oak Fire. My daughter Sonia's birthday is today. She has worked all through COVID. We're having a little get together, but she had a mishap yesterday and she ended up on crutches. 
So it's cancelled. We'd love maybe give one of the piping pizzas from all of us in our family. That's from Marion Downing in Cargilline. Uh, a big thanks for keeping us in touch with all aspects of life during these times. We'd love one of your vouchers. We all did and continue to do what we can during these times. Well done to everyone. You don't tell me who you are, so do come back to me. I'd love one of your vouchers for my son and daughter who both missed their 18th and 21st birthdays. It'd be amazing if we could treat them. And then another one here from Lisa. A big thank you to my husband, Marcus, who's worked the whole way through lockdown, working in Munstead Labels in Mallow, supplying labels to chemists and hospitals. Pizza voucher would be great. We're 19 years married at the weekend. And my son will be 18. Uh, he missed out on his leaving cert and his graduation. Maybe a voucher for him and my older son who missed out on his 21st. Both are great kids, play football at elite level and excellent role models to their brothers. And that's from Keith. So they're just some of the shout outs. Just page up there. I'm trying to get that uh, anniversary on the air. 40 years married today. I'd appreciate if you wish Tony and Angela Egan from Carrigaline a happy Ruby wedding anniversary from today for today from Laura and Peter, Elaine and Hillary and all your grandkids, Sophie. Kate and Kira. We can't wait to celebrate with you later on. That's it, guys. I'm over time. Enjoy the weekend. The weather will be good for you. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.